And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... This is Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. on four legs the live pearl jam podcast experience we do this episode every week where we cover a new live pearl jam show from their history so if you're just tuning in uh that's what we do here and today we are bringing in for the first time and not the last time we are colliding worlds so to speak because we take one from single podcast theory we bring them on to Live on Four Legs, and now we have Single Leg Podcast, live on Single Leg Theory. Yeah! Brad Blazik is here with us. Hello, Brad. Hey, guys. What's going on? That, that, that <laughs> This just rolls right off the tongue. I know, I and it, it, it rolls off the tongue so well that I can't even remember the name of it. Damn it. Uh, single leg theory of live stuffs? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that works. Okay. The good thing about the whole thing is once people find out that he's on this episode, I think we're going to get a lot more listeners than normal because... You're kind of famous in the world of Pearl Jam podcasting, so you are oh, definitely. So this is going to help you us. You're definitely a Pearl Jam celebrity. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I when I first messaged you, mm-hmm. I I literally I messaged Brad to get his permission to do a podcast because <laughs> <That>, I didn't want <laughs> that is to true. infringe on anything. <laughs> I remember waiting for the answer. It was this big, massive message where I'm just like, 
we have a fantasy league and, and <laughs> we came up with this idea and I've been listening to your show and it's really inspired me. Sir, sir, can we have a podcast too? And he's just like, yeah, go nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, you're a normal dude, aren't you? I think I literally, I think I literally said, dude, you do not have to ask my permission, but yes, that, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just didn't want to like step on anyone's toes and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I didn't want to. I don't, I don't know, but now there's like five of us right, yeah. and literally no one cares. Right, yeah. It's, and we all talk to each other. We've all kind of been on each other's shows, so it yeah. really doesn't matter at all, uh, which is awesome that there's a community now. Definitely. Brad, you started it. How do you feel about that? Oh, you man. You started this shit. You're going to make me nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I speak truths come on well i i I mean i i'm i'm not aware of my pearl jam celebrity but i appreciate the kind words you're up there with like demetrius (laughs) uh um uh, santos l halper oh wow yeah I, i think i think you're up there with those guys those guys are in kind of a league of their own but i think you're there i well I agree those guys are in a league of their own. I don't know if, if I'm quite up there yet, but, I mean, I'll take it. We might be – we can do this. We can put ourselves in our own stratosphere where we're just kind of the floating podcast people, and that's how we're sort of known throughout this Pearl Jam universe. But it, it it's good to, to somewhat be known, mm-hmm. so to speak, that, you know, like what, what people were doing – uh, when they were going to see you guys at Wrigley and they were just going to hang out with you guys. And I think you had said on your show that people were just kind of coming up to you and saying, hey, you're from Single Podcast Area, right? Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's awesome to, to just get that. And then we kind of did that in Fenway. Uh, yeah. But Randy uh, first, of course. But the, we begged those, people. Uh, <laughs> the, the two women thought we were the brads first uh, we could have ran with it oh, but that's right we had to correct them so <laughs> they were like we, we we came from canada we've been listening to you the whole way i'm like oh no uh, well that's not possible because we don't have any episodes yet but we'll tell the brads you said <laughs> hi <laughs> oh i wish i wish i would have gone now i wish we could have made it to those shows yeah that was on the merch line. We were passing out business cards whilst reading right. posters. Well, we made a ton of friends. That day. No offense. They couldn't have been too big of fans because we had been telling everybody we weren't going to those shows. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? Maybe they started from the beginning. Yeah. You have a lot of new fans. They start. They don't start at episode 80, 82 is what you're releasing yeah. this week? Yeah. Jesus. Oh, goodness. And then you guys... I was I'm I'm kind of backlogged a little bit, so I was listening to the first uh, Letterman episode. Uh, so you guys are or aren't gonna do a meetup in New York? Oh no, no, <laughs> we're not. He's <laughs> got kind of excited about. Yeah, it. What, if, no. what if we no. co-host? We could make it a big thing and take some pressure off you. If you could co-sponsor, oh, okay. we, we might make co-sponsor. it. <laughs> we'll pull all of our Patreon or full or full sponsor. <laughs> if if we pull all of our Patreon money together, we can get you half a plane ticket. There you go. Yeah, and that's just going one way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, we. I mean, we got so much to talk about today. That's it's. it's 
it's unbelievable how many tangents we're going to get on. So I don't want to <laughs> uh, continue this tangent much longer. Uh, let's let's move to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we did have a little bit of, I guess, Pearl Jam adjacent news this week. Uh, Eddie Vedder at Innings Fest. Um, and it's really... It was the only thing really planned and going on for 2019 up until this point. I know Ohana was announced uh, for late September, uh, which kind of I'm, I'm kind of happy about because that's, you know, that's kind of close to the wedding. So that means, OK, maybe they won't do a tour in September. Maybe it's just Eddie doing Ohana. And then in November, October, they'll they'll go and do a tour. So I, I, I'm OK with that. Um but innings fest, uh, what'd you guys think? Did you guys tune in? Did you did you guys check out the set list? I did. I checked out the set list, and and then I went I went back and I watched some clips. I I basically checked out the set list, and that was about it. You know, I I I, I watched it on a stream, and look, um, it it kind of. It get it gets you the ounce of heroin that you need, but it doesn't it doesn't do the trick. Um, it, Eddie just goes on way too many tangents when he's by himself out there. He can't really direct himself. It feels like uh, what was it during? Okay, I tuned in. I essentially tuned in during I am mine, and I tuned in right away. And during the second verse, he had already fucked up, stopped the song completely, and talked to everybody, and then went back into it in his own way. And I feel like they wouldn't even he wouldn't even do that or anything close to that if if, if the band were playing with him. Definitely not. My my thought process on this is, you know, it's not my favorite thing in the world. I do think it's great that he does it because there are a lot of fans that would like to see it. And, and it's it's a really great thing to be able to carry an entire set, even if, yeah, he does kind of go off the rails a little bit sometimes. That's sort of expected. My whole problem with this is it's not a headlining act. This is an act you put on right before the headliner. It's There's just not enough there for for a headlining act. That's, that's my opinion. I don't disagree with that at all, um, but I don't know if I don't disagree with it because uh, he screws up sometimes and he kind of makes a joke of things. I think I I disagree with it because just him by himself sounds really bare. These songs that are supposed to be so full and, you yeah. know... Uh, That's what I mean. There's not enough there. There's not enough going on to be a headlining act. Right. And, you know, whatever. Like I I say, it drives me nuts when he goes off on tangents all the time. But if he's up there alone and it's his act, he could do whatever the hell he wants. It's Of course, which makes it worse. Right. It's just that it's it's not enough for me to be a a headliner. It's it's I I don't know. It's like the opposite of what <laughs> it's like. Is it because it's it's him? I don't know. See, and for me, it seems like that's this these um, festivals that he does. Those that stage is too not physically, but this this festival stage is too big for him. I'd rather see him in um, a small theater mm-hmm. with a couple guys in the band playing these songs it doesn't even but, have to be the guys in pearl jam he could just get some no, friends yeah, to no, jam. yeah yeah exactly side band, yeah yeah just a couple of his buddies that are musicians that want to play these songs with them i'd rather 
see that than than him up on this giant stage outdoors playing these songs and you know like matt said kind of fucking up you know i I mean the ukulele songs are just they're tough they're really tough especially soon forget anytime he pulls out soon forget he'll go back to that one verse that we talked about matt he did it again where he screwed up that one i think he keeps thinking he keeps thinking uh that the the word is stiffening when it's something else he just like we said he, in the he last in his own head how many years ago yes it's stuck and he's literally done it every single time i've heard that song live i guess we're kind of faulting him right now for having too much fun which you know it's it's what he's he's of course having a blast this is his like this is his baby when he's not doing pearl jam he loves to do this but you know what sounded like the crowd were I'm sure. I'm I'm sure if we were there too, we would have had a good time. It's, of course, it's just a little confusing to wrap your head around. I guess you you just you have to be there. I guess one of those things you just have to be there. Have Have either of you guys seen him do his solo? Not solo, no. No, I haven't. I I would. Yeah. I think the last time he came to Hartford uh was probably right after backspacer and i decided that uh i didn't want anything to do with it i don't know why (laughs) i don't know why but i and then you look at his set it was like it was 30 songs and it was all it was all pearl jam stuff so i don't know what i was missing out on yeah i had i had tickets to see him uh in oklahoma and i live i live in tennessee but I was going out there to see Van Halen the night before with a buddy of mine. But he broke his arm like three days before the show and had to uh, postpone. So I didn't get to what go. What year was that? 2010? 2011? Okay, so that, yeah, okay. That was probably that same tour, that Backspacer tour. Like around there, I think. Yeah. But then I, when he came back, obviously I wasn't, in town i was back home in tennessee and the memphis show was completely sold out so i i have never seen him you uh have to make a drive to to oklahoma that sounds like a really awful drive oh it's like 10 hours oh oh that's (laughs) terrible first of all it's oklahoma right no no offense to anybody in oklahoma but but again we're from new york so that's our first thought process is oof, right. Oklahoma. exactly if you're if you're not from here you're not from places you don't exist right. you're either from new york or you're retired and went to florida yeah. that's about it um one little quick thing uh i wanted to bring up too i was actually at my first concert this weekend post fenway believe it or not six months um and I went and saw Mumford and Sons, and they're good live act. Uh, that they're going to end up being one of the better live acts in the next ten years. And what I mean by that is, right now, uh, setlist wise, if you look at setlist uh, night in night out, they're pretty much doing the same stuff because they're touring for an album. But they're changing up little things here and there. Give them two or three more albums. And I think they're going to start doing the same thing that that Pearl Jam does. And they're going to mix in rarities and mix in all these different things. And I'm not like, 
I'm not a big fan of theirs at all. I, I listen to their music in the car and, you know, whenever uh, my fiance is around. Uh, but, you know, I, and I, I like I like what I hear. There are some songs I like better than others, but uh, I think I think they're going to get to that stage at some point where they're going to be megastars, essentially. The, the problem with that is I, I could see it happening, but as you saw, Randy, there their set list construction right now goes hand in hand with a very intricate and and a specific stage show as well they set up in the middle they have you know it's right. very down to the down to the minute type thing so if they could br- it's much more of a performance than so they, like if they could break is. away it's, from that then then they could go night to night where you know where where anything anything goes basically but do you think they'll they'll break away from that do you think they have fans that want to just go and see what they might pull out or do you think the fans would rather be you know having them come out to the crowd or or it's i don't know it's a it's a different well, dynamic with with that band but i, I don't want to say it couldn't happen i just think that's the kind of band that they are where they're going to be very specific and rehearsed um you see, I think that just kind of like how Pearl Jam fans kind of grew and they got older and while, you know, they still kind of attract uh, uh, age groups that are younger and demographics that are younger, it's not their main demographic. I feel like their main demographic at some point is going to stay the same. And once it stays the same and they have all the same fans that they've had throughout the years then I think that they're going to start pulling out some different stuff. Possibly. If that makes Possibly. any sense. I, I actually think they're they're close to that already with the same fan demographic. Uh, um, well, I, I, It's because I, I know they're touring and stuff, but when they have new stuff come out, I never hear about it where you used to all the time. I, I don't want to say that their yeah, popularity I, is smaller because it definitely isn't. I just don't hear from them ever anymore. I mean, they get played on the radio. I, I would say this is their fourth album that they're touring for. I would say it's probably more popular than No Code was. Fourth? Uh, wow. I yeah, thought it was their, see, I thought it was their third. See, that's how out of the loop I am. I think their first album was 2010. So that's almost coming on 10 years. We are old men. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but they put on a good show. They got you know confetti falling from the rafters. They um, the, the thing I think was most interesting about their set was uh, before the fir- before the encore, I almost said first encore, I had to catch myself. Uh, there's only one encore, believe it or not. Um, they went into the crowd. He Marcus Mumford went into the crowd another time. It was right below us, actually. It was really cool. Uh, he was just, it was, wasn't even like GA area. He went in the seats and just kind of stood there and, in front of a bunch of people it, it was i'd never seen anything like it before it was really cool uh but when they were in the encore they went up to uh i guess like the second level and they did they put one microphone there so they told everybody we have one mic uh they did it i think acapella or with one acoustic guitar but they said everybody has to be super quiet so we can actually get picked up by the microphone and it was really low and of course, there's this one asshole that's just, yeah, yeah, guys. <laughs> and then uh, Mark has had to go and be like, did this bloke actually listen to what I said? <laughs> I told everybody to be quiet. So it, it was it was a cool 
it was a cool little thing. I've n- I've never seen somebody do that before. I don't know if you guys have, but I'd never seen somebody actually go into the crowd and play a song from the crowd with little uh, uh, equipment. I saw I saw it did. happen twice. I saw I saw Rivers do it with Weezer. He did acoustic Island in the Sun uh, at MSG right in the middle of the of the place by himself. And then I saw, oh wait, actually I just thought of a third time. Then I saw Jones Beach, the two next ones were Jones Beach. I saw Scott Weiland with with Velvet Revolver jumped into the crowd, ran right past us. He went to the last row all the way at the top of the of the amphitheater and he sang one of the songs from up there uh, in like a, a person's seat. And then the most recent one, actually, they, uh, Sugar, what song was it? One of the Weezer songs at Jones Beach right in front of our section on like where the divider is from the from the stadium seats to the orchestra rivers got into like this wooden boat and played a song in the boat and one of his stagehands kind of pushed him around the circle there it was like right in front of us it was weird but it was cool he should have went into the water because they got the water all around well, I, that. this boat definitely was not ready for for uh <laughs> sea voyage i don't I don't think it would have gone anywhere or even stayed afloat. That's my guess. Rivers has money. He could have bought a boat. Sounds like something he would do. Uh huh. With all I, the money he's making. I saw, I saw Panic at the Disco. You did? Yes. With, my, da- with my daughter. Okay. Um, I mean, it was the production is insane. Like the lights and, you know. But I don't know any other songs. I know like one song off the first album, and that's they play that at the very end. But the singer, he at one point he goes he he comes down off the stage, and sings the song as he walks through the entire floor, to the back of the crowd, because there's a piano back there, <laughs> on a on a little stage, and he gets on the piano, and does the next song. Then the piano goes in the air. And like floats <laughs> floats back to the stage while he sings the next song. Jesus. Who gets so that who was... gets the role of piano floater? <laughs> who has to I'm just gonna one more. I was I saw The Darkness when their Jeez. when their first album came out. I saw him at Irving Plaza and the lead singer comes out and of course I believe in a thing called love is the last song right over my head in Irving Plaza. He was attached to a flying stuffed white tiger and play, played guitar <laughs> on it and sang the song and basically flew around Irving Plaza on a stuffed white tiger. And um, at the very end, when he jumped off, he like fell on me and uh, the security guard pulled oh, wow. me out of the way. Yeah, it was, it was wild. And he, his outfit uh, did not have a lot of coverage, right. <laughs> if, if you guys could remember what he used to wear back then. So. Yeah. Can I can I <laughs> yeah, throw one I more that. out there? Yeah. Do you know what Man, you are you guys are proving that Mumford and Sons <laughs> well, are not original. I was also going to say to, Tommy Lee had a had a drum roll oh, yeah, coaster I saw he that rode around around oh, stadiums. Yeah. Cool. Uh do you know what a Zorb is? Oh. It's It's uh, like a giant hamster no. ball and you you <laughs> Okay, you yes, see I do. these yeah, giant exactly balls and they go inside them and roll down the hills. Right. Um, yeah. I saw the day to remember, the singer got in one of those and rolled around the entire like GA crowd. Nice. Not singing though. He could he didn't sing. 
But he was like walking, rolling all around all of us in the front. But he went like out into the middle of the GA. It was nuts. That was that's, like that, the, that's the a flaming deals, lips, right? Yeah. What's that? That's like one of the inflatable balls. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I was about to say um, that's the flaming lips uh, deal. There. They, oh, they do uh, that. Yeah, they do that too. And I think going back to another uh, Weezer, the last time I saw Weezer, uh, they were actually they were kind of co-headlining, which was a little strange, but. Um, like they were, you know, Weezer would do two songs and Flaming Lips would do two songs, and it was definitely not even doubt because Weezer oh, would weird. play two songs like four minutes each, and then Flaming Lips would play two songs seven minutes each, right. and it was just <laughs> terrible. Uh, but him and him and um, uh, Rivers and the lead singer of uh, the Flaming Wayne? Lips came out on these. It's Wayne something, isn't it? What's his yeah, name? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember, but I think you're. I think you're on the right track. I think yeah. it is Wayne something. Um, yeah, they came out on the, those orbs, and uh, I was right up in the front, and uh, yeah, that was fun. So, um, I don't. I think I failed to to mention what episode we're covering today. Uh, <laughs> half hour into this damn show. Did you Did you mention who you met up with there? Because I don't remember if you did, and if if you didn't, I didn't want to have to go through. A whole ten minutes of talking about Mumford and Sons for nothing. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. I met with uh, Patrick uh, Bogle. Okay, yeah, just of, if, uh, if you hadn't mentioned here. it, there it is. And if you did, that's the we we just reiterated I, what that was all about. I did not mention it, and you know what? I was thinking about <laughs> it until we talked about Zorbs and then uh, <laughs> blew the whole thing up entirely. But but I think um, you're I think you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Bagel. On this show, we call him Bogle. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I love it when you I guys put want... out the, the Batman, the Batman, um, yeah, the, the, the bagel, the yeah, bagel signal. The bagel signal. So great. Love it. I did. I I wanted to call him Bagel at first, and I'm like, no, nah, that that's your guys' thing. That's We're gonna. Thing. That's our thing. We we started calling John Ferrar Baba. Yeah, he's, he's called our, Baba yeah, Ferrar. He's our spiritual guide. Yeah, so we'll we'll do different things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as as I said, I don't think I've I've even mentioned what episode we're doing. Obviously, if you're you're looking on iTunes or Spotify, whatever you're looking at, you you clicked this episode, so you know what's about to come. It's uh, it's Milwaukee, nineteen ninety five, night two, and uh, significant about this show is that Brad, this was your first show, uh, but also kind of semi significant. We talked. Uh, months and months ago about uh, the Golden Gate uh, Park incident where Eddie had food poisoning and uh, they didn't get to finish that show and they canceled a bunch of dates in between. So the first night of this these Milwaukee shows was the first night that they came back. And what I'm, I'm interested in, to know from you, Brad, is uh, did you, when you bought the tickets and you then saw that the incident happened and they were canceling dates. Were you worried that they were going to cancel this date? Did, or did, was it completely off the table? It was, um, I, I was not even aware to be okay. honest with you. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't know, but I, w- I wasn't following them that as close. Well, I was actually going to ask you a follow-up on that was how fast did the information travel then? How fast would you have found out about it? Yeah. I mean, if you had, I don't know <laughs> if I, if I had, it's crazy to think about. I, right? Yeah. I mean, 95, <laughs> there's no internet and 
you know, I wasn't, I don't MTV think, News? I might have seen it on there, but I, I, I seem to remember, like, I must have called, like, the Summerfest people to see if the show was canceled or not. You know what I mean? And that's, like, yeah. that's as far as it went. I hear a bass in the background. Are you playing bass, man? I got to practice sometime. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll know why I heard I'm bass a, in the background. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I'm in a, my living room here. Anyway, let's let's go back to this being your first show and, yeah. and the anticipation leading up to it. Um, what? And you said you weren't that in tune with it, or you weren't just you did didn't know the information. Were you that big into Pearl Jam at the I time? I was or? huge into them, but I just didn't have any you know sense of like Pearl Jam news. I guess right. Okay. I don't think I was in the fan club at that point. Um. It was basically just you know I would just listen listen to the CDs and tapes, and that was that was about it you know. Yeah, what um. I'm kind of glad I didn't know because if I did know, I would have been freaking out up until the lights went down the night of the show. I'm sure. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, that's got to be. Just even I I I've had that happen to me before where I've showed up and at an arena. And uh, I remember going going into the arena and uh, driving in the parking lot, and there were no cars there. I'm like, what the fuck is oh. going on? Somebody pulled up right next to us and said, uh, "Greg Grafton's sick. Uh, Bad Religion's not playing tonight." Oh God! I was so pissed. I was so mad. It was the first time I was set to see Bad Religion, and thankfully, I've seen him like eight times since. Mm-hmm. But which is funny, it ties into this episode because yeah. Bad Religion opened that night. Yeah. Um, so talk about like kind of leading up to the show, like how excited you were and, um, uh, how did you get the tickets? Cause now we're getting into 90 shows and we talked about, uh, <laughs> how Steve got his tickets a couple episodes ago. Uh, how did you end up getting the tickets? Was, did you go to a, like a Ticketmaster location or did you order by phone? Um, went, we went to a Ticketmaster location and we were, we probably got there an hour or two before they went on sale. And so we were like, I don't know, 40 or 50th in line. Oh, okay. So when we got up to the counter, you know, um, I just remember looking at my tickets. Because they, they, sold, they sold this night first for some reason. That's odd. And I thought... If we had waited a little long, because I don't know how it works, but I I, th- I thought at the time they sell, like, the best seats, and then they just keep going back and back and back to the, right. you know, to the to the uh, grass seats. Right. And I thought, well, if we had just been a little later, we would have clicked over to night one and been closer. You know what I'm saying? Mm, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I just remember thinking that. But looking back on it, I mean, this show to me is way better than night one. So I'm I'm glad I got tickets for this this show. Um, what uh, what kind of what kind of location was it? Because we were talking when we were talking to Steve, he said that it was in some kind of convenience store. It sounds like this was more like a Tower Records kind of place. Right? I think it was. Well, it was in it was in um, like Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a pretty small town. 
Shout out Kenosha. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure it was like a like a local record store, not a tower. Okay. Just a regular small town record store. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that, there there seems and I I love asking this question now because it seems like all these very odd locations uh that you used to get ticket master tickets at yeah and, uh, the other no getting to know it the other place was like a, the grocery store just the regular <laughs> that they had a ticket master set up at the grocery store that was like the other place you could go well like a piggly wiggly yeah, or something like much, that yeah <laughs> yeah i only know piggly wiggly from uh better call saul by the way i've never seen actually seen yeah. a piggly wiggly uh but just knowing that that's a very midwestern grocery store yeah. so um yeah just gonna pick up some you know oranges some milk um, some van halen tickets yeah exactly it was weird but that was you know that at that time that's where I, I lived in wisconsin just right on the border of illinois so it was really just you know midwest small town living so anything else that you kind of like Give me like the sense of like leading up to the show and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, when you got in and when you're able to kind of see the venue and everything like that, t- take us through all that. I mean, I was out of my mind excited because I had tried getting tickets in the, they played in Chicago in 94 and they sold out like in five minutes and I, I didn't get tickets to that. So I was pretty upset. So just getting tickets for this and I knew I was going to see them and it was my first show um, I was just super excited. And the cool thing was it was at a, a festival summer. It's called Summerfest. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, it's a giant fairgrounds. There's different stages everywhere and, you know, beer tents everywhere. Um, so it was me and like, it had to be two or three of us. I think there was, there was a group of four of us. So we just went and we just were walking around the fairgrounds all day and we saw um candlebox well not candlebox um uh who was that band um there are like eight other bands collective soul kind of, collective oh, okay. soul was yeah. playing they're definitely in that same category yeah 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 so i mean we're just walking around and we hear like is that collective soul and we walk over and they're playing and we see like you know half of their set the second well, that's kind of cool. it was pretty cool yeah and so we're just walking around and um finally we go over to the the amphitheater it's called marcus amphitheater and it's it's pretty similar to alpine valley so okay. if you've ever been to alpine or seen you know pictures of it it's very similar where it's kind of a giant hill and there's all the seats and then there's the grass seats and we were like the last row of seats was where our seats were. Um, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't horrible, but I, I, I had never really been. I actually had been to this place before, but I was like in fifth grade, so I don't really remember. But I, my mom took us there to see the Bangles, so <laughs> that was the same stage that Pearl Jam was playing on, whatever ten years later. Um, but yeah, it was like. I've I had only been to, like I've been to Met the Metro in Chicago and Aragon these little theaters, so to be in this giant amphitheater like way in the back, I was like oh shit, <laughs> like I'm not gonna be right up close like I'm used to, you know. 
Right, yeah. And, I mean, if you've ever been on the grass before, the grass situation, especially, like, I I definitely had a bad experience with the grass situation in Alpine Valley when I was there, but um, I, I do not like being on the grass for mm-hmm. any show. Yeah. So just getting the last row means you just made the cut, and that's, yeah. uh, you know, luck, lucky you, uh, in my eyes at least. Um, all right, as we get into the show... What what did what you kind of did you did you expect an opener? Did you kind of have this like list of songs that you wanted to hear? Mm, not that I remember. Again, like this was before you know setlist.fm and you know like all these technology. sites. Yeah, technology. So I didn't know. I don't know what was going to happen. Um, but uh, do you want to talk about the opening bands, or you just want to go into Pearl Jam? Well, okay, so I think I think we have to mention the frogs uh, yeah. for a sec. I, I know we mentioned Bad Religion. I, I meant to go and check out what their set list was from yeah. the show, but um, I just didn't have enough time to do it. Uh, but the frogs, there was actually a little appearance uh, from Eddie. So yeah, talk, talk what, about that a little bit because that, that seemed kind of interesting. The frogs was, I think, a three-piece, um, and it was two brothers – and they were very odd, just very strange music. Not not really like rock and roll, but like kind of like I don't know avant garde like noise music kind of. And they played a couple weird songs, and we were just kind of you know just you know like you watch a band you've never seen before. It's an opening band, but but they started playing the song, and then somebody quote unquote comes out. And from where I'm sitting, I can't tell, but the crowd in front is going ape shit. And then you you start to realize that I bet that's Eddie. And then he starts singing and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's Eddie." <laughs> but he was <laughs> he's wearing this weird like white kind of like a like a Elvis type outfit, like a shiny white suit. And I think he was wearing some kind of wig. I'm seeing all the places that I said uh, a Beatles wig. Yeah, yeah. So, but when he started singing, you're like, "Oh, that's 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 definitely Eddie." And the song, um, the lyrics or the name of the song is "I Only Play for Money," and it's obviously like a tongue in cheek um, because at that time, you know, just a lot of the a lot of stuff swirling around Pearl Jam was sellouts and Ticketmaster and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of funny, ironic to hear him singing this song about, you know, I only play for money. And it kind of makes sense. Like he's just back at, back in that time, he was just kind of, he, he knew how to make some subtle jabs at himself, mm-hmm. but he was also still a little uncomfortable with the whole thing. And, yeah. and it seemed that, I don't know. Was he? Uh, I don't know. I, he he seemed like he wasn't exactly the same person that he is today, where he can kind of make fun of himself. But in a way, this was sort of his his therapy oh, yeah. going on stage and sort of doing this. So he was definitely definitely way edgier back then. Now it's just like dad jokes, and I yeah. I love both versions. You know, being twenty years old. And seeing him come out and be angsty and edgy was like, yeah, you know, fuck, fuck Ticketmaster and fuck the label and 
you know, MTV. And now it's just like he's making dad jokes about the word fuck, what it means. And it, tell, it was he was telling his daughter all the different ways you can use yep. the word fuck. And I'm just like, now I'm, you know, old and I'm a dad and I make those same stupid jokes. So it's like, yeah, I love it now. <laughs> you know, he's he's kind of grown up with you. Yeah, exactly. Dad jokes aside, uh, we start the show off with uh, kind of a, not a dad song, but an uncle song, if you want to say, so to speak. Uh, It's a really interesting opener because throughout their history, they've only opened it with it two times. And this was the first time they've ever opened with it. We're going to listen to it now, then Brad's going to get into it. I know you've talked about it on your show before and how it kind of uh set the tone and set the mood for almost like your pearl jam uh fandom Mm -hmm. uh and here it is you're the first song you ever heard live was not a pearl jam song technically it's a neil young song uh from the uh mirrorball album here's act of love So this song means a lot to you, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to let you have it. What, what what was going through your mind at this point? So, like, you know, like I said, I didn't know what to expect. Um, obviously, now I know they're probably going to start with release or Long Road or Oceans or something like that. But at this time, I didn't have any idea. And I just, you know, they started playing Act of Love, and I didn't recognize it. And I'm just like, what is... Well, I recognize it, but I could not place it. And I don't think it was till maybe the, the second verse when it hit me that this was from Mirrorball. Because Mirrorball was released like two weeks prior to this show. I was about to say, it was really it was really shortly after the Golden Gate yeah. show. So it, can, it couldn't have been that uh, far away. Uh, did you have the album? I did. You, yeah, because you, okay. I, when I finally figured it out my mind was just fucking blown because um th- it, i don't know this was just like you said this was the perfect thing to start not just this show but like oh this band does crazy out of the way shit that no one thinks of you mm-hmm. know they're going to they're not only do they start with you know a song that's not theirs but it's it's a cover. I don't know. It just like blew my mind that they didn't start with, you know, like even flow or, or animal, like a big single, you know what I mean? Or literally anything. Pearl <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, so, and to start with a, cause I, you know, at this time, a lot of the concerts I went to was like, I had seen Megadeth a few times. Um, I think Slayer, 
like Anthrax and just some of these heavier bands. And those guys come out with the heaviest song that they have. Like that's usually what they open with. Like they fucking mm-hmm. come on stage and drop a bomb and go from there. So that's what I'm kind of expecting. So you hear this kind of like dun, 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 kind of trudgy song trudging along. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? And then, you know, it's, it's a Neil Young cover, but when I when I realized, oh, this is from that album I've been listening to nonstop for the last two weeks. I love this song. This is amazing to hear them playing it. It's an attachment that you're always going to have the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and I feel like anybody that goes to a show for the first time is always going to have that attachment. I mean, Matt, I think your first show they open with crazy Mary. Am I right? And that's why you have such an attachment to the song. Uh, if my memory serves me poorly, but I think so. Okay. Uh, you, <laughs> I, that was cause, cause back then I wasn't, like I said, Pearl Jam was just a, uh, another band dude. You know, I, I wish I had more appreciation for them from the first time I had started seeing them, but it, it really hadn't come until later. So yeah, I, I'd have to go back and check the stats on that one. Cause unfortunately, uh, my memory doesn't go back that far. Steve claims that you were at one of those Jones Beach by Narl shows, but yeah, we can't remember which one though. I think it was him, my friend, uh, him, myself, and one of his friends. It was like one of three nights or two nights. I don't remember. Unfortunately, we'll have to we'll have to uncover archival footage of uh, <laughs> just the Jones Beach crowd and, and see if yeah. we can pick you out from that. I'll be the I'll be the youngest one blonde there, hair probably. <laughs> or with, shaved with like completely. bleach blonde hair yeah <laughs> uh, uh going back into the opener thing for a sec uh i had a very similar experience that's why i have a really deep connection with the song release um going going into my first show i kind of i kind of knew what to expect but then again i kind of didn't i didn't think that they would open with a song that's Again, like you said, it's not their hardest song. It's mm-hmm. not the 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 gut punch that you expect. Right. Um, you know, uh, Mumford and Sons is a really good example for this from this weekend. They opened up with the first song from uh, their new album. So a lot of bands do that. Uh, I remember when I saw Green Day. I think they opened up with American Idiot, which of of course mm-hmm. they're going to open up with American Idiot. It was it was for the album. It was in that heyday it was it was on that tour and a lot of big things were going on during the time uh and i think i just i expected like once or i expected some like maybe i expected corduroy a little bit right uh but whatever i expected it wasn't release and because it was release it had me hooked right away mm-hmm. and i feel like it's the same exact thing you have going on with act of love yeah um what do you guys think of the performance? Because we're we're not really going to talk about this uh, very much as we go on. They've only played it ten times in their history. Uh, again, they've only opened with it uh, twice, um, and they've also closed with it a couple times, which is really weird. So if you think of all the songs that they opened and closed with the show, I I don't even know what could possibly be there. I'm sure Alive is there. Uh, maybe on some random occasion they open with Rockin' in the Free World, but that's not to my knowledge. Uh, 
but this could be like one of maybe five songs that they've opened and closed with, which is kind of weird, but again, kind of cool. What'd you guys think of the actual performance of the song? Um, I I thought this was awesome. I love this intro. Uh, They rock it out. You're not a Neil guy either, so I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't dislike Neil, but I'm not a huge fan. But I, it's an awesome song, and they, uh, it's a, it's an awesome song to open with. I loved, uh, you know, you know, it's old school Mike McCready because he's, he's running around with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. For a song. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I was going to mention this later because I noticed it further down in the set, but it's really funny back then. Mike, he's he feels, he doesn't feel, he looks. So out of place. I, I I mentioned it as like he looks like a, a kid in tenth grade that like accident accidentally <laughs> wandered onto the stage. He's wearing baggy clothes, he He's wears like clothes. the big but, jacket and things like that. Because the, the talent and, and the energy on stage is there, but he's not like he's not that visual powerhouse that we know now yet back then. Somebody needs to do like a chart of the evolution of Mike McCready and all of his different looks because I think out of everybody Stone in the never band, changes. Stone Stone is probably the Stone's the Matt, exact Matt's same. never changed yeah. either. Matt <laughs> Matt had like sideburns for a little bit, but Matt yeah. really hasn't and changed. Gloves. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> the gloves. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Besides maybe sometimes having long hair and sometimes having short hair, we know his style hasn't changed, but the the looks, the basic look of Mike McCready, I feel like every album had a little bit of evolution to him till yeah. what we see now where he kind of, uh, he looks like a badass old man or 50, uh, 50 year old man. I, I don't want to say <laughs> old man. That, that's kind of not fair to him. Uh, any, anything else on, uh, on this, the, the, you know, real quick, uh, they did it. In 98 in DC, which was kind of a one-off, they uh, it wasn't their opener, but it was the second song in. And the last time they did it was when they actually invited Neil on stage for the Toledo show uh, for Vote for Change. So this is not something you're going to hear now and again. So like, it's kind of like the time capsule where you got to cherish this from, from 95 because you're really... I don't think I don't think this is ever going to come up unless unless Neil is there. Well, I hope I get to see it again. <laughs> I, I don't see it happening, but I would fucking shit myself if if, <laughs> if they played it again. You do never know. Yeah. You do never know. I mean, they brought back they brought back something from Mirrorball. Yeah, yeah. At the home away shows. Uh, throw your throw your hatred down. Yeah, so. yeah. Which I was freaking out when I got because I'm like. Uh, like Matt, I'm not a huge Neil Young fan, but I absolutely love Mirrorball. It's a great album. So yeah, um, so so to get to hear uh, "Throw Your Hatred Down" this past summer was pretty pretty amazing. They did not do it at Fenway. I was really hoping that they would do it at Fenway. We got we got "Taillights Fade" instead. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was the deciding factor, yeah. but. Anyway, let's uh let's kind of move on. Uh, Randy, I just I just did a quick check on my stats. It was uh, Crazy Mary actually opened up my first MSG show, which was okay. 2003. Yeah. So you're counting that binaural show, whatever that binaural show was from Jones Beach. Yeah, that would have been August 2000. Okay. We don't know I'm... which one, but exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of them. <laughs> 
I'll pick the one with the best stats. <laughs> uh, all right. That was that was a long time on that, but I think it was well-deserved. Uh, we're not going to touch up on Act of Love anytime soon. So uh, we go into Go. Song number two, Ed's voice sounds really good. Uh, I think a lot of people hold this era in really high regard due mostly to Ed's vocals and how uh, strong they were at this point. It's, it's the angst, it's the energy, it's the passion. Uh, everything you want out of the second song in and the band sounds really fantastic and going into this, I just, I'm thinking like now at this point you gotta, you know, the opener back to love, but now they, this is your rip. Yeah. This is where they're ripping into it with, yeah. with go. Yeah. So what, would you, uh, so what's going through your teenage, would it be teenage head here? Or? I was, I had just turned 20. Okay. So you weren't drinking at this show legally. No. <laughs> or at all had to, had to throw that legally in there yeah. right, Randy? <laughs> well in, in case just in case no i was uh, i was not drinking at all so i'm not i'm not a big drinker so neither neither am i yeah. i we we kind of we had kind of laid off and i i keep thinking to myself i'm like if i don't drink for the next six months and i have one glass of champagne at my wedding i'm gonna fall off my ass <laughs> and so, i can't wait for that eh, it's gonna happen <laughs> i'll uh, make sure i'm the one that gives you that that glass <laughs> uh brad what'd you think it go here no it was it was awesome and it, it was like um okay now now we're gonna rock out now we're mm-hmm. gonna you know now the song drops like a bomb you know and it just was like it was cool to get the slower song and then, okay, now it's on. Now we're going to do our Pearl Jam thing. Ease into it and then it kind of kicks you in right. the rear end. You're, and Go is, I think, the the perfect song for the number two spot sometimes. I, I like Go in a lot of different positions. But after Act of Love, to that's kind of like very mid-tempo and then it really... Like you said, it kind of kickstarts it, and uh, and it gets you into the rest of the set where they can really rock on their Pearl Jam stuff. This whole section up until Tremor Christ is all really hard and powerful stuff, and I think it, all of it worked here. And Jack Irons' drums are wonderful <sighs> in this song. He just fucking gets this song. I agree. Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. Uh, it's definitely, it's interesting. I think he definitely brings in a different flair to the Dave A songs than Matt does. I think Matt kind of, Matt kind of changes it up, and you don't think about what Matt does, but you kind of, when you listen to Jack, it just there's something about it that makes it different, that makes the quality different, that you can tell you're not hearing the same exact go that you've been hearing for years on the album. Right. Which, which Dave A is amazing on those recordings, yep. but these, and, these, and live. He, yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, he was awesome. Yeah. I'm just saying Jack just brings something so different. That's while still being, you know, really good. Yeah. And I thought I would have had more to say about the, some of these songs, but most of the time I was just watching Jack play. Yeah. So. <laughs> I didn't get to actually, I, I always do this. I listen to the boot 
and then find out later that the full show is on YouTube. So I didn't actually get to watch any of the show. So if anything interesting happens, well, it's it's not like super interesting. But I love these old shows because it's it's usually one camera. It's not a wide angle. Right. It's usually just focused on the center of the stage. You see Jeff pop in here and there. Mike sometimes. <laughs> it's Eddie mostly standing still, and then you got Jack and Stone. That are in full view the entire yeah, time. That's uh, so. So it's fun to watch. And Stone Stone Shuffle in the beginning right. of the show is like <laughs> full effect. Like he's moving the earth with his shuffle. I've never seen a Stone Shuffle like this before. What's his wardrobe like for this one? I think it was just like a black T-shirt, if I yeah. remember. Correctly. Uh, yeah, like, oh, that's boring. It looks like not Stone Temple Pilots, but like the oil company STP. It, it uh, looks like that's okay. what the logo is on the back of his shirt. I always thought that that was a Stone Temple Pilots shirt or logo when I, whenever I saw that when I was a kid. And uh, Stone was doing some kind of windmill for Act of Love that was amazing. Wow. He was playing that that part, just windmilling his arm. That's very kind of unlike Stone it's, to it, kind of it's, go off the norm. It's thing. kind of awkward. Like, I don't know. Like, um What's his face from the Who when he does it? Yeah, it's like, Pete Townsend. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Pete Townsend is like, oh, that's rock and roll. Yeah, Stone does it. He looks like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like you press the button on the back, so his arm would go in that circular yeah. motion. Then you have to press the button it, for him to go so, back to normal. Stone he's so playing. stiff and like bony, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> look at this guy. <laughs> Remember those tangents that we said in the beginning? Yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> uh, we're full force on them right now. Uh, and let's get into the last exit of our tangents. Dad joke, ha! Well, damn, dad joke, ha! Uh, pretty common here. Last exit in in or around this spot during this tour, uh, and it felt like we were really covering this week in week out, and then we kind of go into later shows and it spurts up every now and again but uh this is kind of really in the sweet spot it feels fresh that we get another uh version of this but it sounds really good here it's really it's it's a blender into the set i always thought that it kind of from song to song it kind of blends in really nicely and it again just kind of follows pace for the first couple here yeah it's a good sign for me uh going forward in this show rating wise because i had no notes for it loved it less is always yeah <laughs> i'm i'm the same way like it's just <laughs> I, you know it's hard to I, i've listened to this bootleg so many times so i'm not gonna really have and because it's my first show i'm not gonna have right. too much negative to say about any of these songs but i do have i do have notes here and there but i don't really have anything for these next two songs I don't expect you to say anything negative. I, that, that's you know I, that first show, like when when I do my first show, and I'm sure when Matt does his, like there's no negativity there. Yeah. You don't remember anything bad, and even if you hear it and it kind of sounds a little off, or maybe you know it doesn't sound like it's the best performance, there's still no negativity. Right. So I totally I get that, um, and I'm not even I'm not even looking for negativity. I'm just looking for for. What you dig? Yeah. What, you, what you're digging here? Uh, and last exit is last exit. It's really, it's really difficult to fuck up that song. That's kind of how I see that. It's one of those. It's just, it is what it is, and it's pretty quick, and you can kind of get through it, and it, it usually sounds very good. But um, 
I really like it before going into Spin the Black Circle. I know we've talked about Spin the Black Circle in the beginning of the set before, and I gush over it because I think this is just, this gets the crowd into an absolute tizzy really early on. Um, and it this is a Jack Irons performance mm-hmm. right here. This yeah. is where Jack really sets an insane pace. It's done to perfection. Um, and the I will say, if, if you were to say that this song, you had a perfect game streak going on on this, it probably went into an out or two in the ninth and then blew the perfect game. I think they got a little uh, uh, behind themselves at the end. It kind of derailed a tiny bit. It did finish strong, but um, this is a really, we've talked about it before, this is a tough one to keep this pace for and that everybody was following Jack with his insane pace, it just it blended so nicely. Yeah, I just wrote it wasn't a bad performance, and it's it's an awesome spot for this fast set or this fast beginning to a set, which will turn out to be a pretty fast set overall. Uh, and yeah, I just wrote Jack is just unstoppable in this song, and and I felt the same way you did. I thought it was a little not s- super scratchy at the end, but there was something going on there, and I I I chalked it up to you guys got to get on Jack's level right now because Jack, Jack is doing something and you guys got to keep up. It wasn't egregious. It was just, yeah, I, I think you nailed it. They, they, Jack is sort of on his own planet and everybody else kind of needs to take the rocket ship there. Um, all right, moving moving forward. Anything on Spin the Black Circle? Or is this just, at this point, you're really, you're digging I, this show. I, re- and you're I remember the at the time how much I loved spin the black circle. I've kind of grown out of like loving it so much. I still like the song, but at the time I was like, I fucking loved it. So to hear them play it right up here at the top, I remember feeling like super excited. This is, I, you know, I kind of agree with you. This is a song I've always went through phases with. And I feel like very early on in my Pearl Jam fandom, I, was very high into the song because it's very high energy mm-hmm. and that's the kind of stuff that I liked at the yeah. time. Uh, and then now I, I like it, but if I go into a show or I try to make a set list for, cause I'm nerdy like that. And I try to make a set list for a show and predict, I never add this on. Right. And you know, it, it's just, it's one that it, it's good. And I, I love when it comes up and I love when it comes up in this era in Vitalogy, but uh, if I'm making playlists nowadays, it usually if I make like six playlists, it might be on one or two. Of them. Yeah. So I totally, I totally. And I might that. be wrong, but I think that was the first single off uh, Vitology before it even came out. We're going to have to listen to your Vitology episode before we get to the next <laughs> song just to find out. <laughs> um, I think you're right on that, though. I think it went Spin the Black Circle, Better Man, Corduroy, if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this was probably, at the time, a single and a Grammy Award uh, winning. <laughs> yeah. Fitting in Stone's basement there. Ooh, what's what's this? Oh, this is my Grammy. Um Speaking of uh, so- songs that kind of uh, 
you know, next song is kind of the reverse for me for uh, in Spin the Black Circle. I, I think with Tremor Christ, I always, in the beginning, I, I was never really that into it because it wasn't, it was the antithesis of uh, Spin the Black Circle, where it was kind of, it was very uh, even pace and it didn't have the energy, but it's a different kind of Pearl Jam song. Definitely. And nowadays, I, it's one of my favorites off of Vitalogy. We haven't heard it in a in a while. I don't know how many weeks. I don't know how many episodes. We haven't heard it in a long time. We're going to play it for you now, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Just like Last Exit, we were saying, Last Exit kind of had its place uh, very close to the top of the set. Tremor Christ was really, at this time in the Vitalogy Tour, it was kind of that first change of pace after the first section of the songs, kind of uh, directing you in a different direction. And I really do love it here. I think it's it's one of the best spots for it. Um, and it really... You don't hear it nowadays because I really feel like it, it kind of takes the energy of, of 1995 and it, it meshes in so well with that that time period that I don't know if it really works as well playing it today. I, look, I'll take it every single time, but it's not – it doesn't fit the band today, if you know what I'm saying. Do you guys agree with that or – I do. I Yeah, I think it is – it's weird when they play it today but it's kind of um i think it's kind of a um it, it's not played as often so it's kind of cool when they do play yeah it. no I, I look I, i'm not i'm not trying to say that it's like not good when they play because i the performance at fenway that's probably mm -hmm. my favorite performance from that night but i feel like the style of the song the kind of the grit that comes out of the song uh just wh whatever stone was doing during this one it really feels like it fits within this era and the way that ed is is performing the song it fits within this era and this style of play here that's kind of i guess what i'm, I'm trying to grasp at yeah i agree to that it's yeah it fits the tone it fits the tone of the band and the time and it's kind of like your binaural theory with uh evacuation with evacuation that, that, yeah it really can't be in any other time period. 
yeah, this is this is really good. Any anybody got I, anything? I else think I was just going to say that I think this was you know if I had to rank the songs on Vitology, this would have been a little bit lower. Not saying I don't like it, but I think seeing it live, something clicked and it gave it like because I don't think I would have expected to hear Tremor Christ because it is such a weird slower song. Um, right. But it kind of gave it credibility since seeing it live. Like every time I'd hear it since then, I, it would remind me like, oh, they played this one at the show. And that like kind of gave it a boost in my mind. Like, well, if they like it enough to play it at a show, I should check it out more. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It makes total sense because I think that what's great about this band that you know we spend so much time researching on is that um there are almost no filler songs after a while Mm -hmm. that we we've covered this this band and we kind of see where they've utilized songs and they keep going back to stuff just because the uh tremor christ doesn't get played a lot nowadays doesn't mean they completely ignore it and it doesn't mean they don't go back to it at all if they didn't i think we'd sit here right now we'd say man this was this is really kind of filler off of Vitalogy, even though it's it's a tremendous song. But um, since they do go back to it, they make it feel like it's more important mm-hmm. than maybe other bands that, you know, their third album and a weird kind of tweener song uh, that they might have played while touring for the album. They don't, they don't play it anymore. I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Like, Weezer is a really good comparison because i think they have around the same amount of albums so if like uh if there's a weezer song off the blue album that was kind of like okay good but maybe that's a bad comparison i don't know uh well because weezer only plays hits now when they exactly that's what i'm saying if they you can say that more of their stuff is filler stuff because of how they treat it live i'm surprised uh I don't feel this way about this song at all. Uh, I'm a little taken aback that you guys are using words like filler and tweener and and we aren't using. We're using them to kind of compare it to other bands. I don't think Pearl Jam has any filler stuff. Oh, to I, be honest, I, I I think they do. There's I think only, uh, mo- only mostly, the last two albums. Yes, yes. Let me make that only the last two albums last and maybe albums. a little bit on Riot Act, but that I don't think that. At least their first five albums doesn't have one filler song at all. Sorry, my dog is is drinking in the background. <laughs> um, uh, all right, let's let's move on from that conversation because no, Trevor Christ is definitely not a filler song. That's not really what we're okay. Good. I was get, I was getting. I got to be honest. I was getting a little worried, guys. <laughs> uh, and uh, Weezer has two more albums than Pearl Jam. Tw- it's twelve. Okay, that twel- makes sense. Twelve to ten. Yeah, because they put out an album every day. They just put out an album actually isn't, on Friday. Isn't a black <laughs> album thirteen? Oh, is that thirteen or is that twelve? I could be well, right. I don't know what you count because maybe maybe the the covers album you don't count or they do count. So I oh, don't know. Well, yeah. Well, then they yeah they they just. I... What was that one? Teal. Teal. The teal Listen, yeah. I love them to death, but <laughs> retire. I mean, you got you got to retire already. <laughs> Wait, wait till they get to like the Manila folder colored <laughs> album, the um, the spice rack 
album. I'm just looking at things in my house of uh, yeah. colors. Tw- 2021 uh, Weezer. The, the, paprika, the cinnamon, the paprika the cinnamon album. album. The fuchsia. Yeah, the fuchsia exactly. album. The fuchsia album. Oh, boy. What's funny is fuchsia's probably up next. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get there. No, those, They'll get there. Those tangents. Those tangents, baby. <laughs> uh, cord- corduroy's next. Uh, they went a little longer in the intro than they typically do. Uh, and Matt, you and I have covered corduroy enough at this point in many different eras to say that uh, there were a couple during this time period that, that you thought specifically were awful. Um, yeah. This, this one split the difference, though. This one's half and half. Okay, I uh, thought the band sounded awesome. The I thought ba- they were on point. I wrote band sounds killer. The band was was absolutely dead on, and uh, but I still hate that anger in the in how he sings it. But this is why it split because he doesn't do it the whole time. He'll start exactly, off. He'll start yeah. the first couple words with it, and then he sings the rest of it. And then when he gets off of that scream that he does in the very beginning of each verse, it's beautiful. It sounds it sounds great. So. It's all right. You know what? I, I went a little overboard. It's not even half and half. It's it's like ninety percent great. No, I I I think it's it's pretty great. Um, the two things I kind of wrote down is like, you know, the Soldier Field show was a couple days later, and Eddie's voice is just totally shot. And there's a couple of points in this show where that like raspiness comes out, and Corduroy is mm. definitely one of them. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not the I, whole know, time. I, it's not the whole song, but it's definitely when he tries to kind of scream some of these lyrics. His, you can hear his voice is getting that that rasp. He's putting a strain on it. Well, yeah, and, and we'll talk about it later with blood because I have a lot to say about blood. Mm-hmm. It sounded like he was totally tanked by that point where yeah. he he couldn't get up to that level at all. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, considering. What was this? Two shows or two nights before Soldier Field? Yes, yeah, I think they, were, they had a day off in between. Okay, so this was the show after Soldier Field. Yeah, so that I mean, no, no, no. probably Soldier Field. Soldier Field was two days later. Okay, so this so was, this was like he was he was getting sick. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Okay, all right. Uh, I mean, I that's still one I have to listen to in full. Uh, I've only mm-hmm. heard bits and pieces of. I mean, it's a legendary oh, wow. show. Uh, yeah, but. We'll get to it at some point. Uh, yeah, I, look, the band sounded really tight. Another one that Jack is just uh, really kicking ass on, and uh, they do know. that kind of ex- extended jam towards the end. That's just incredible, and it's it's different because when they do the extended jam on Corduroy now, they like to do with the fans chanting and clapping and singing the bridge before they, they actually get to the bridge but i kind of like when they they kind of jam and they kind of trail off with it and that's what i think they were doing a lot more of back in this day so yeah definitely diff- cool to listen to both versions uh we get an ed mike moment here uh ask the people if they're having a good time because they didn't bring the band and the crew and all the speakers together for them to have a shitty time they thought that they'd help give a color of paint to paint their summer here in Milwaukee. They asked if everybody was there last night. He says, you're all fucking liars. He remembers everyone from last night. <laughs> Who's the fucking liar now? Uh, he took it upon himself to clarify that the next song 
uh, to clarify the next song before they play it. People say the next song directed towards fans and people that listen to our music are trying to alienate you. This song is not for you unless you are a tabloid journalist or MTV or a bootlegger or somebody who wants to make money off of selling tickets. Fuck you then. It's a nice little, this is very much what we were saying before. This is the time period where Eddie is very much in his, uh, his angst phase and is fuck you everybody who looks at me funny kind of way. Uh, you know, that's, yeah, I, I, I loved that speech when he's talking, when he said, he literally says like, this song is not for you unless you're a bootlegger or MTV, because for me, like I would, you know, I, when I got the album and I'm like looking at these lyrics and I'm like, is he talking to me? Is he talking to the listeners and saying like, this shit, all these songs, this is not for you. This is for me. Like, this is for this band. And, like, I I was confused. So for him to get up there and explain, like, no, all this stuff is for you. Because you're the, you're the people that listen to this music and come to these shows. That's who this song, this song is not for you guys. It is for who I thought it was for. Right, and so it's it's the same sort of message just taken out of context. Right, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it isn't for me. Just, but it means the exact same thing uh, lyrically, just in a completely different way when it's explained. And uh, I, I thought he was <laughs> the way he was explaining. It, I'm like, I think he's just confusing himself here. Right. <laughs> and then it and then it becomes clear to what he's talking about. Yeah. This performance here, it's exactly. How I like the song, it's intense, it's angry, it's emotional. Uh, the part that I really, I love and I think we're going to play, uh, man, that, that last verse where they get really light, and they usually do this where they kind of, they, they quiet down, but this is, there's no drums to it. I think it's just Stone and it's just Eddie, uh, but they're building back into that crazy moment. What would you guys think of that part? So. I really liked it here. Uh, you're right; it was it was played really well, and it's it sounds really full and it sounds really heavy. Uh, typically, I can never listen to this whole song because I just think it is so damn boring. But <laughs> man, this one—I don't know—they they killed this one. I, I liked uh, I liked the intensity on this one a lot more than an album version or some some of the other ones that we've covered. This one felt a lot different. It felt way better. Uh, and it felt like the band and the crowd was into it more than we've heard before. So uh, I think uh, I think I might have had my mind changed on this one. I just hope we get more like this one. I'm I am gonna go controversial for a minute here. Condition critical. Yeah, <laughs> I think I wrote down I miss Dave A. I think Jack was that's fair. Totally off on this song alone. Um, very I don't know like. Not stiff, but like something was off, and it just didn't. And it, I know, I don't know. I it just seemed like um, something was off, and it just didn't sound like. I've always we always say on our show like the different drummers are fucking amazing when they're playing their own stuff. Right. We um, that's the same thing we talk Jack, about. We always talk yeah, about Jack doing. Man, uh, 
uh, Hell Hell and Jack doing In My Tree and how those songs don't necessarily translate to Matt Cameron as well. Right. Uh, but Matt Cameron on stuff like God's Dice is incredible because that's exactly something that he recorded with. So I, I, that, that theory plays out on this song because it's just when I listen to it and like I was watching it today, Jack is it's just not not doing it for me. I, I, mm. I get that. I don't think I was listening that closely to that and uh, especially um, because you don't really get a lot of they did play not for you at some points uh, during verses. I think during that tour in 94, uh, it was one of those that they had recorded uh, along with like Satan's Bed and Better Man and they kind of brought out live, but it uh, not as much. So I haven't heard Dave live on this, mm-hmm. but I don't think from hearing the album, I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to listen to both versions because I, I just, I can't put in my head what Dave's role is in this song. So it's just one of those things. I, I probably totally agree with you once it comes down to it. Cause I think a lot of Dave A's stuff is very, very specific. So, um, yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we listen to that little part that I was talking about before when it goes right back into the last verse and it gets really, it starts off really light, gets really heavy. Well, listen to that. So they go into this, uh, they go into Why Go from Not For You. And um, for some reason on the other versions, I think I was kind of with you, Brad. I, I really didn't like Jack on Why Go in, in or the other versions that we've covered. And uh, this one I was fine with. I don't, I don't, and I can't even remember what kind of threw me off with Why Go. Uh, and Jack the other times, but it just wasn't working for me. I remember that, but this was a little different. I think this was a little more straightforward, and uh, I really don't have a lot on it. I'm happy to have it in class, but uh, uh, yeah, it didn't sound as bad as as I thought it, w- it did in uh, the other previous episodes that we covered. 
Yeah, like I said, Not For You was one of the rare times during this night. He he definitely got his groove back for Why Go. Yeah, I I I thought this sounded really nice and tight. Uh, it was a n- kind of no frills, uh, mm-hmm. Randy. Kind of like what you were saying, yeah. pretty straightforward. Which, which I I can't complain about. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we see here, um, that that is back in 1995, is more straightforward than what they do it now because these songs grow. But again, like being in 1995, like when this song hit in the set, I said to myself, I'm like, my God, this is a lot to digest. This is a this is a crazy <laughs> beginning to a yeah. set here. And I'm like, you know what? It's 1995. They're not really going crazy with jams or with solos or with all these this improv stuff. And, and they're younger. But, you know, let them rock it out. Let them go really heavy here. One of the only things, though, I didn't really like about this set is I, I do not like this spot. Uh, you, Randy, you know I'm not a why go early type guy. And and uh, so the uh, placement was was. Uh, not my favorite. You know, I, I kind of agree with you, and I used to say that Why Go was the Swiss Army knife of all their songs, and I'm I'm sort of it it still is to an extent, but um, really middle of a set to me is not it's not where it should go. Uh, I like it early. I know you don't like it early. I like it early a lot. I think it gets the crowd into the game, but um, here. You know, obviously, they're they're. If you're going to start off with with four of your very meaty songs and heavy songs uh, in the beginning, um, maybe there's just not a place for this. If if you're deciding, well, we got to put it in the middle. If you know what I'm saying, I agree. So yeah. Uh, but what I did like, out of why go, they start playing the opening of Jeremy, and the crowd uh, goes. They're pretty nuts for it, and then. Ed stops it in the middle and says, we'll do that later or something. And it's a a precursor to what's going to happen in a bit. I actually do want to play that little part because it's a precursor. So let's hear that little part. Let's hear where they start Jeremy and Ed kind of nixes it (laughs) because you can can hear the crowd. And Brad, we're going to get right off the bat into you uh, uh, kind of what the moment was like during that part. Uh, But... Yeah, here's here's Eddie nixing Jeremy to Steve's pleasure. So it sounded like the crowd was uh, pretty disappointed by this. Uh, Brad? I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked what Eddie said about, he, he sarcastically says like, oh, like anyone hasn't heard that song enough. Right, yeah. And you kind of get the feeling like, oh, they're, they're, yeah, they're over it. They're, you know, they're over the whole thing with the video and they have to play it every night. And, you know, when he said that, I just thought, I thought it was funny. Yeah. My question for you is going to be, cause I thought it was awesome. I thought that was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was clever. And, uh, and of course I agree with it, 
but back then I was thinking maybe the fans didn't like they were probably laughing through it, but at the same time having the feeling of, oh man, you know, can you can you play it though? Like maybe could you play it? So was that was that the feeling? I mean, because you know it's 1995. I, it, it's it's you know it's I, sort of still <laughs> somewhat fresh, and yeah. I can still see a lot of people really wanting to hear it. So. You know, you said you liked it. You said you thought it was funny yeah. what he said. I thought and, it was and, funny, and know. I think he does say something like they'll, they'll do it later. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah he does. And, but what happens, what happens later totally makes up for it. So yeah, we'll, we'll get we into will that get here in that. a minute. Exactly. <laughs> debatable, fellas. Debatable. <laughs> it's very debatable. Matt, I'm, I think we're we're on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I'll say about Jeremy and just its popularity um, – I think this one, more than Alive, more than Even Flow, more than Better Man and any other daughter, any other singles that came out during the 90s, this one really stuck and stood out because this was the music video. How popular were music videos in the 90s? I mean, it, it would, music videos were music, essentially. I got... All let's put the let's put the comparison to today. There actually were music videos exactly, in the 90s. Yeah. and if there were music videos, they told stories instead of just cars, money, girls twerking. Yeah, <laughs> um, there are songs written around the idea of what the music video will be. That to me sounds it's just wrong. You th- <laughs> you're saying that stories based off of the song. Are wrong. I'm I'm saying I'm saying people are writing a song because they have a great idea for a video. That's oh, what I'm saying. It's oh, ass backwards. Yeah, that that is ass backwards. I agree with that. But no, the other part, putting a putting a music video together based off of what the song's about, I think that's it's pretty much that is key. that is what is probably supposed to happen. Yeah. So they go from Jeremy kind of. Sort of, kind of, sort of Jeremy, and then breaking off from it, and they do a really good version of Deep, uh, and it really encapsulates how they played the song in the 90s. We haven't covered it a lot lately because they really don't play it during the eras that we've been covering. So, uh, not a lot of notes because I just kind of sat back and enjoyed it. Yeah, I just had a one little frustrating point about this song. I, I thought it was a nice, uh, a nice uh, kickoff to the beginning of the song. It really hits hard. But um, we've seen this happen before, man. Jeff's bass switch to that 12-string, it, he like EQs these 12-strings different for Jeremy and for, and for songs like that. And it sucks all the bottom end out. And you hear all the bottom end sucked out in that Jeremy tease, which he doesn't even use the 12-string bass for. When we get to it, he sits down for it. And and like I said, this came up before. So the whole song to me sounded really empty, and I wanted more. I wanted more bottom end. And it drove me nuts, man, because the performance of it was top-notch. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like the performance of it. Um, I didn't notice that with the bass, but I'm not a musician, um, I just kind of, the one Imagine thing, Matt and Lyons on a show together. Oh my Holy God. shit. <laughs> be like, this <laughs> instrumentation. I, I, I am not it. hosting that show. I am not a part of that. I will just hit record and sit back and, and listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's... No, but Eddie's, Eddie's voice gets pretty raspy on this. Cause it's again, it's the, the songs that lend to Eddie straining his voice, you can hear it. You can hear that rasp coming in. Right. on those songs um and the only other thing was um he does eddie does this thing as the song is is kind of 
fading out or finishing up, he starts turn just walking in a circle. <laughs> you know? And he he does it in Chicago for like a full minute. He is walking in this circle. Just during and, deep? Yeah, at the very end. Yeah. As this yeah. It's it's just like it's just funny because I remember seeing that when I watched the Soldier Field boot, you know, a few months back. Um and then watching this this one today, like oh he 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 must have done that a lot in those days, and it's just it's just I don't know how to describe it. It's just funny to see him like. There's only one way to describe it. It's a very Adam Duritz move. Oh God! Well, is it? <laughs> I was I I was gonna say it's like it's like Phil Collins how he always would just kind of stomp around the stage with like his hand on his hip like a stern father telling his <laughs> child to like clean up their room. He fucking would. Phil Collins just always said he has no, he can't dance. He doesn't right. know how to dance. And they just don't know what else to do. So yeah, it's like very, the West Claypool shuffle or something like that. It's very. He's very determined. I guess he's mm-hmm. he is like almost running in a circle. And I don't I'm know, have to check that out. I don't know what. Awesome. I don't know why, but it's you know. There must be some. There's must be some reason in his head why he's doing it at that moment. The only thing I can think of is that the song kind of has this spiral into madness at the end. Yeah, so maybe that's yeah. what he's doing. Possibly he's spiraling into madness. Feel, feeling the music, however he can. Yeah, but uh, who who the hell knows what's going on in that head <laughs> in '95? I mean, way, I don't know. way more than we got on the album. That's for sure. Yeah, let the music speak. That's enough. You don't want to go deeper. I don't think it was. It was probably. Uh, it was probably somewhere more like like Foxy Mop Handle than like Not for You or Corduroy. <laughs> Just to throw that out there. Uh, so we go into from Deep into Daughter. Um, I think it sounds fine. You know, I'm I'm critical of Daughter usually. The tag is a little sleepy and it's improv and it's kind of boring and. It feels like Eddie is kind of singing underwater or how kind of it's how I think singing underwater sounds or should sound like. <laughs> I I don't know. It It's a meh for me, dog. I, I didn't have any notes on it because it was also very straightforward for me as well. Uh, I liked the deep daughter transition, though. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did that. I didn't have a problem with that. It kind of goes from, mm-hmm. you know, spiral into madness into a little poppy, which yeah. is always kind of yeah. good. It it just it felt felt good. It sounded nice. I, the only thing I have to say is I, I love the, the tag where he's saying he's singing. This is how I feel. Uh, and he yeah. just keeps like kind of saying that slowly over and over. And I don't think that is an actual song i think he's just coming up with those words in the in the moment yeah it's definitely improv but then he goes into the another brick in the wall which i am not a pink floyd fan at all so i am not either really okay cool no (laughs) so that's you know i like him okay i'm just like yeah i'm good but i like the i like the first part this is how i feel part and, and because I've heard this boot a million times over the years, and you've never heard that again, that's what was cool about it for for me is like there was a lot of like one off things at this show, like true, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, or and, or or rare, like you know, or act yeah. of, opening with act of love, like that's pretty fucking rare for them to do that. 
the thing we're going to get to next is pretty fucking right. rare, too. And, so yes. I, yeah. And then we, even in the encore, more stuff that you don't get into. Right, yeah, exactly. Part, part of why I wanted to do the show was just because all these things were spliced in. A Chad yeah. Smith appearance. Yeah. All. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, wow. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Randy. <laughs> Jesus. In between daughter, Ed tells the crowd good singing on Brick and the Wall, but not on the improv stuff because no one knows what he was trying to sing there. He even said at one point, please release me. Please release me. And uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. that's uh, I, meant to, I meant to write that down. I forgot. Interesting stuff, but it's, yeah. it's not release, obviously. Uh, and he says the next one they're going to try. So they, they, they've tried this before. This is known in the Pearl Jam lore as No Jeremy. Uh, a little history behind it. They played it five different times, uh, four times in 1995 and once in Randall's Island in 96. Uh, I'm going to read from the Pearl Jam 20 book how what this is Jeff's take on kind of how No Jeremy came to be and how other stuff was handled during the time. He said, we went through a phase during our second and third and fourth records where we tried to rework those popular songs and do different things to them. We'd break them down, play them faster, or just arrange them differently. Every single time you go through a phase where you kind of fall in love with the new version and then all of a sudden you go back and listen to it at some point and say the older version was way better, we played a different version of Garden then and we went back to the old version. So they're definitely in sort of an experimental phase. And this is really... This is exper- as experimental as experimental gets. So yeah, definitely. If you haven't heard <laughs> this version before, maybe you want to take a second, pause the show, take a quick breath, not knowing what you're getting into because you're not getting into Jeremy. You're getting into something completely different, as they would say on Monty Python. So uh, here's no Jeremy.
So I think all three of us are kind of going to have di- differing opinions on this. <laughs> I, I already know what Matt is going to say. Um, and I kind of have a feeling I know what Brad is going to say, but I don't really know what I'm going to say. Uh, ultimately, I don't really know how I feel about it. It's uh, one of those interesting topics in the lore of Pearl Jam that kind of gets brought up every now and again. Hey, remember that they did that and, you know, that we're, you know, we have a, a platform to discuss it on, uh, kind of brings it to uh, a bigger uh, talking point here. Uh, but I mean, I didn't even know about this until maybe a couple years ago. So finding out about it is, is fun and it's, it's cool. And, and like we were saying before, they're, they're bored as, as shit of the song, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this because it's not even close to what Jeremy is. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's sort of, I don't, I don't know. It, it, I, it reminds me, it's kind of like a rainbow. Like, you don't know when it's going to pop up out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I thought that during this, but it, I just, I don't know. Somebody knock some sense into this because I, I can't, I can't <laughs> uh-huh. figure this out. I'm not going to be much help, Randy, because I, <sighs> I, I, I'm, I, I wrote, I wrote down that I was, I mean, I'm, I was really having a lot of trouble critiquing it. And I wrote in my notes, I'm having a lot of trouble critiquing it, thinking that would spark something in my brain. Oh, it didn't. It just, I know didn't it didn't because, because I don't, I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. And what it shows is, is you're not the type of, ba- you're not fish. You're not grateful dead. Do not go back and try to rework your most popular songs. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and it's a mistake because it's you get things that are strange like this, and it's not something that people will say that was ama- that was the best thing I've ever heard. I'm so glad they reworked it. I'm so glad we got to hear it this new way. No, people are going to be like, <laughs> I'll say, I, I'll say I, that. I don't know <laughs> what to think. Oh, oh well, okay, good. Then, yeah. Then, then you need to shed light because Randy and I are so confused. I uh, think. I'm, well, I'll say this. I think I'm biased because I was there. And in, well, this is in, this is a in, a major stat to have. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. this is big. The, that's what's cool. And what's cool also because, of course, like what Randy said, I love covering new stuff like this. This is what makes this show what it is. So, I mean. I have to give it credit for that, but beyond that, I'm just I'm kind of lost. I, th- just lost. I think a big part of it was, for one, I was kind of sick of Jeremy at the time, so I kind of related to the band. I related to the band and why they would do it. And again, that's why I think the tease was funny, rather than being like, "Oh, I can't believe they didn't play it." <laughs> so, and then number two is just being there and seeing them play it, and it's so rare. Again, I'm going to be biased. But in the moment, it was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I had no clue. And even when Eddie starts singing, because he's not singing the same melody, I didn't know what it was. And I think when he said Lemon uh, Lemon Yellow Sun, I was like, wait a second. Like, why <laughs> do I know those words? Right. And Well, you know, it, it sounds like like they're gonna start a song yeah and he just he just started to like tag jeremy and you're waiting for him to go into something and you're like oh it's that song but they're playing it like uh, acoustic or but then they finish it out they finish out the song and you're like oh that was that was just full out jeremy <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> well, they, it sounds like to me they take uh, different parts of the song, right, and just play them like they just play uh, like the the that the notes. Um, just they just take one note and just play that over and over. Then the ba- then the bass line does come in, and it kind of builds to where you can recognize it. That middle end there was kind of cool, actually. Yeah. There was like yeah. a buildup to it. When they actually do the... It was a little bit more familiar. I mean, it wasn't It wasn't like... It was like an acoustic version. You know, Jeff is sitting down on it. Yeah. But it became familiar, at least, I guess. Yeah. when Like, for me, I would have been like, oh, this is... No, they're just doing Jeremy. Yeah. When it got... There's no transition When it got to, I think, like the second verse... I was I knew at that point like oh this is Jeremy and this is a really weird different version I kind of think I kind of like this this is pretty cool Sure and you I can know, see that yeah, when you're you there know definitely when you're there you're 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 going to go off and talk to your Pearl Jam fans and you're going to tell them we saw something that you're probably never going to see again yeah. and then you you know go and 25 years later you you have bragging rights to this right. it's the ultimate stat or back then in 1995, are you saying to yourself and your friends, "Oh, I guess this is how they do Jeremy now"? Oh, I didn't think that at all. I figured. Okay. I figured this was just a because they were bored. They'll <laughs> either never play Jeremy again, or they'll just play this a few more times and then they'll go back to. I just thought it was just. Um, uh, they just wanted to try something different. Sure. Knowing full well. Like, well, we can't never play Jeremy again. Right. So really what this all boils down to here, and I'm trying to put it into words the best I can, and I, you know, maybe this isn't the closest thing to it. Maybe it's Stupid Mop that's the closest thing to it, but this might be the closest thing to Revolution Number 9 that they have. And it's just this weird, (laughs) weird thing. Or a or like a Bjork remix or Trent Reznor remix or something uh, like I'm that. Not, I'm not so much into that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, all right. Maybe should, the Trent. Maybe yeah. The Trent, I was going to say the remix thing. It's not thing, too off the rails. Yeah. Where they, they take one little tiny part and just keep playing that over and over and then build right. upon that. Right. I think you're right on that. I think you nailed that because it, it like I said, there were parts that seemed familiar. And even as a musician, I just, I feel like I wasn't, maybe honing in on it or connecting on it but i you're you're making a lot of sense right now yeah well i, I, I mean that. you get that bass that um the bass line and then the mm-hmm. guitar just plays the ding ding and right. that that ding ding part is what they play throughout the entire song that's yep. sort of your trigger for the song yeah so yeah to speak yeah um you know I wonder if there were people there that weren't actual Pearl Jam fans or that were kind of like <laughs> semi Pearl Jam fans hearing this and they were like, Oh, I'm never seeing them again. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sure there were a couple of Midwestern Milwaukee guys that were just kinda like, What are they doing? They didn't do Jeremy. Get out of my neighborhood. I watched MTV for six hours to see the music video for this shit. <laughs> Carson Daly told me that there'd be Pearl Jam, and I want me my <laughs> Pearl Jam. Uh, good transition between songs here. Uh, it's 
rearview mirror is coming up next and i really i felt like it was such a breath of fresh air coming out of uh, no jeremy that mm-hmm. we were getting something that had so much energy that moves that really gets the crowd back into it because even if the crowd was enjoying it it's not something you could sit there and be like oh, yeah i'm rocking out to this version of jeremy i've never heard but damn it i'm gonna go get a soda uh <laughs> No, it it wasn't that. It, it's just kind of, it, it was cool to hear, but you weren't enjoying it from the perspective of like the rocking out perspective like you would on Rearview Mirror. So this is a really good pick me, pick me up. Um, it's also very uncommon in, in the middle of the set, which I, I kind of like in the spot. I don't think a lot of other songs uh, really, I wouldn't have liked a lot of other songs to pick, pick you up at after no jeremy i think this really this does the trick uh one thing that i had about the song it kind of had its own psychedelic uh groovy section a lot of almond brothers influence maybe in the bridge and we kind of talk about all different sorts of bridges in the song you know whether it's you know building more momentum up until the last verse uh or uh, they just kind of groove and kind of space out. This one was very spacey though. Yeah, I, I liked it. It's, it's not what we know. Of course, it's not this huge set ender. Uh, I, I don't really like the spot here, but it's a great performance and, um, I can't really fault them for, for these quote unquote faults because they're not faults. It's 1995, you know, it's, it's kind of still just a song here, but what you're saying is with the bridge is, I felt like they were really starting to expand and experiment um, in this section of the song at the time, and it's becoming something more now. You start to see a, a quick evolution of this song almost right off the bat. But at the same time, at the at the end there, I felt like a lot of Eddie's anger was gone, and I th- I thought it was somewhat tame at the same time. I thought this performance was, was rather interesting. I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on here. Placement-wise, uh, experimental uh, bridge starting to make it its own thing. Overall, being somewhat of a tame version, I, I was I was intrigued by this rearview mirror. Yeah, it's it's really cool. That's what I love about these old these old shows. Like you see how they evolved to what they are yep. now. And rearview mirror, it's my favorite part. Yeah, rearview mirror is a really good one to kind of study because it is a lot different here than the last five or 10 years of shows. And it's, it's, and it's great. I mean, I think the performance is good. They do that kind of weird, you know, bridge breakdown psychedelic thing. Um, that's different than it is now, but it is cool to see, you know, how the clay was forming at the time. Cause this, at this time, the song's only what, two or three years, th- three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Maybe just two. Yeah, two. Yeah, versus came out in '93. Yeah, yep. So, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the best thing about Rearview Mirror in the song is that build back when Jeff kind of brings it in. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. They it didn't was, have that at all in this. It, no, you know what they did? It, it it was short, and it was really slow he slows it down and that really might have been drags it. It. it yeah it didn't I, you know feel what? I, the same it didn't have that same vibe it was it was cool i liked and it. you're right and, and you're right because i missed it the first time and the only reason that i noticed it was because 
uh, he leads Jack into like this really fast that that builds them back up into the tempo. Mm. And I was like, ooh, that was cool. I mean, I like it when when Jeff comes back in. It's like the little bass solo of the of the verse part, and it usually sounds really good, especially when it's nice and quick and snappy. And this was the exact opposite of what it normally is. And I said to myself, I was like, That's, that was pretty pretty cool. I like that. Different, absolutely. But uh, I you know I couldn't say it better. Um, from a live perspective, Brad, you're on point with this. Uh, this song has evolved almost better than any other song in their catalog. Uh, Black is another one. Corduroy is another one that that really evolve into different styles and mm-hmm. uh, you know almost different ways of playing it. We've talked about Black a ton of times and how it kind of had that plucky version that Matt hates, where uh, it kind of sounds like the uh, sort of what you would play when a rooster is waking you up at a, a barn in the morning kind of that you know <laughs> did i did i, did I uh, compare it to deliverance the yes last? you did yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about it just but it grew it grew all these songs that we just mentioned grew so much within the years that you listen to it now and you're saying okay it's kind of like in that same evolution that Mike was in at this point where he's wearing, you know, really baggy Jenko jeans or, or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, instead of Mike now, who is, you know, uh, sometimes wearing a top hat. Cause it looks like he was like wearing it. one of those really big oversized, like mighty ducks jacket, like a starter jacket, <laughs> like a, oh. <laughs> a giant hockey j- starter jacket yeah. or something that we all had when we were in middle school. Oh yeah. I, uh, but yeah. you can't have the starter jacket of the team that you like. You you can't have oh, the no, starter no. jacket of the team team you root. No, for. everyone no, had like the Hornets. Or yeah. Something. Yes, oh, the Hornets God, the was Hornets. that. That was the popular one. <laughs> I had I had all that teal. <laughs> yep, I had a, a San Jose Sharks one that I used to Perfect. frequent. Um, <laughs> Orlando Orlando Magic was another Magic one. was a really popular <laughs> one. Yeah. I can't remember the basketball one I had. I, I think I might have been boring and I, I had a Knicks one, but uh, I, I I definitely had a Rangers one. I had a Rangers did you? one. Yeah, I had, yeah. I, had sure. a, I definitely had a Rangers <laughs> one too, but that wasn't until like high school, and that was kind of like a semi starter jacket, but not really. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing there. I had a Minnesota Vikings. That that was a good one because one other <laughs> team is purple. Uh, Anyway, I don't know uh, how we got on starter jackets, uh, but um, well, because I th- I'm pretty sure Mike was wearing one. That's what Mike I was wearing. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to go back. We'll have to look, and we'll have to see what starter jacket. It, had, it he's looks wearing. like it had a lot of insulation in there. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why he was hospitalized from dehydration after yeah, the show. Could be, maybe because he was freaking in a jacket and probably drinking the whole night. Jesus. Uh, Anyway, um, you go from rearview mirror into elderly woman. Ed says that this is a request from a kid that he bumped into on the streets. Uh, there's no one, two, three, four, two, three intro. It's just kind of goes right into a soft opening and it's just Ed until the band kind of comes in. Sounds really nice when everybody's together. It's a little, there's a little lyric flub, I think in the second pre-chorus, but it didn't really ruin the song for me, but this is, I feel like when I listen to older versions of Elderly Woman, they don't sound as standard bearer as 
the new ver the modern day versions because you always hear the one two three four two three and they go into it and it's very poppy and it's very sing along but this is this is more uh, defines what the album version of the song is where it's kind of a little bit more sad and and uh, and lonesome. I just wrote I, I you know what I completely ignored set placement for this I I almost completely ignored even it's not a horrible spot but no it's not but I I ignored that and I kind of ignored even the performance of this song um, which was it was fine I mean there was nothing wrong with it but this set list has just been a a speeding train and guys I, w- I was I was afraid that Jack might die because he was absolutely <laughs> nonstop the whole set yeah. you just everything aside placement performance what you just have to play this song because i was i was worried about jack and his safety behind the drums and really at this point how many other songs like this do they have i mean immortality is a little softer so to speak but uh you know they're not going to go to indifference or release around here so this is really is really it until what we see in the encore so correct um, anything else on other woman guys Mm, nope. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Lucan, which isn't. This is pre No Code Lucan, so I'm curious uh, to get your take on this. Uh, hearing this live before we even knew what it was, obviously they had been playing it live a lot in '95, but you know, not everybody has the bootlegs. This is your first show, so it's not like you saw it at another show. What are you thinking here? This is Ed just really screaming and rambling. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? And then it was, <laughs> then it was over. It was over before it even started. You know what I mean? Because were, were you trying to listen for Jeremy again? <laughs> no, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I just, like I said, I couldn't. I'm like, what is this? It's so fast. And then it was done. Yep. My only note for it was to ask you what you thought. um you know i feel like with a song like this and in this in in this point in their history where this song is not on an album you at least have to be kind of coherent when playing it and it it sounded like he wasn't trying on it it sounded like he was just kind of trying to get through it before he was really through has he ever been coherent (laughs) on lucan on lucan live the no Jeremy <laughs> version of Lucan is slow Lucan. Mm, uh, okay. Slow Lucan. I that it's funny you have you marked off uh, no Jeremy. I have slow Lucan marked off, and um, yeah, I, I was able to hear him loud and clear during okay. that version. Well, but it, but it's slow Lucan, so right? <laughs> that, uh, besides that, I I hate when he sometimes. He will just kind of chatter his teeth and go. He actually, I think he did that uh, this past weekend. He he did it live. Oh god, yeah, oh, I believe it. Solo, yeah. <laughs> just with why, an acoustic guitar, right? Why do it just to get the fans kind of I, riled up? I suppose. I guess but, it's just the uh, novelty of it. Yeah. All right, that goes uh, Lucan and Animal. Animal, not in the spot usually. Uh, do you like it late in the set, Matt? You kind of, I lo- I actually really like it here. I thought I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but Matt, you've kind of had some issues with 
how Animal was placed in the set before. So what do you, what'd you think of this one? Uh, yeah, not my favorite place. It was nice and punchy version, though. Really cut through. Uh, yeah, th- this should have been where Why Go was. Uh, I think this is just a little too late for me. Uh, but but uh, I have nothing to say about the performance. It was, it was spot on. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. The, the placement doesn't really bother me. It would be... I mean, I think I'd like to hear that song up front more. Yeah. Um, but at, at this this era, there's not much for them to pick from, so they they've got to throw in these songs where they can, you know, because we got go and last exit up front. So, right. I think we get so used to it up in the first three or four songs now that you, you kind of. You almost don't expect it to be anywhere else, but you're, mm-hmm. you're right. What else can they do? You know, the, you know, last exit they were doing in that spot every single night, and they kind of brought forward with them. Uh, you know, you don't hear last exit a lot in any other spot. Uh, I think we covered it once at an encore, but that was a very rare situation. Mm. Uh, I think you're right, but. Yeah, I guess Animal's a little bit more flexible, but at this point where you kind of want to push your Vitalogy stuff towards the front, you know, now you give them a little bit of verses after, you know, a couple verses in a row. So it's it's kind of fitting in almost like uh, four of the last five songs would be verses here. So mm-hmm. uh, that's adding the next song, which I know, Brad, you're, you're dying to get to. <laughs> It's on my playlist for you, bud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, if you guys have listened to Single Podcast Theory before, and you have because that's probably how you found out about us, uh, Brad really, really, really likes Dissident. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like it as much today as I did 20 years ago, which is, <laughs> is to say not very much. <laughs> I, I just wow. I've never liked it ever. So Well guess what? If you're actually <laughs> listening to this uh on Friday or whenever we're releasing it, you get to listen to Dissident because we're gonna play it just for you. And uh before we come back, Randy, I'm gonna find that condition critical button real quick I got here. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, before every any time we go into dissident, I have to say it. A dissident is here.
again, kind of coming off the animal discussion, this is not really the usual spot that you kind of expect dissonant in. It's it's sort of the the break you into a new section, sort of fifth or sixth song near the top. Uh, I, I think it kind of, I don't know, it kind of disrupted a little bit of the flow to go into even flow. Uh, I think animal into even flow would have been just fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Me so too. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. bias is uh, showing tell, huh tell, tell us how you really feel <laughs> i do have to say i've said it many times i love the bridge i mean you, this song live because you want to jump off of it no, <laughs> no it does it, it i mean that that's that swell of the bridge is pretty powerful when you're in the audience and you're seeing it live but that's all i can say good about dissident you know, I could see Dissident being a song that that could be a little twangy. Oh, that whiny guitar! I, I just feel like it could be uh. a it could be a topic of discussion for some people. I, I, it doesn't really come across as as a song that's super catchy. I mean, I could say that, but I do absolutely love the song. Yeah, people love it. People love it. They love yeah, it. I back do. Then. I, I do. My thing though is, uh, I thought the Animal Dissident combination was fantastic but like i said it's not in the right spot so the so dissident here is breaking up a little bit of momentum but if animal and dissident were where why go was this this combination would have been absolutely perfect because the transition between the two is awesome but is the transition from dissident to even flow does that work and and i don't think it does as well so that's why i would i would have taken animal dissident where why go was I, uh, I, I kinda, I, I'm smelling what you're stepping in there. Um, if you swap, I'm, tra- I'm tracking it in the house too. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why go coming out of Luke and would have been fine going into even flow. I think would have been fine. And if you swap, if you swapped these sections, I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but dissident kind of late in the set. I don't know. I, I think you need to get into more stuff like even flow, like black, which we're about to get into now. Uh, it, it just, it didn't really have a place here uh i you know and i didn't i usually judge the end of the song as to how ed's doing and and i didn't take any notes on it so i don't remember uh ed's interest at the end of the song do you guys remember how interested he was because that's how i judge this it would have it would have worked better somewhere else i'll just uh yeah I, i think we could agree to that and um for brad it would have worked better uh, just off the set completely. I would have, I, I would have loved a, you know, it'd been cool as a no dissident. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> I don't even oh, know where to man. start with that. <laughs> that was that was great. Um, speaking of songs that you usually put the word in front of, uh, people have said this phrase before. Uh, no even flow. They played even flow because uh, it's a Pearl Jam show, and that's what they do. But but no even flow is a thing. Like no Jeremy is a thing, and no dissident is not a thing. But maybe now it is. <laughs> it, it needs to be. Um, I've been lucky though. I've only seen them play it three times, and I've seen them eleven times. So that's better than that's better than me. I've only seen it twice out of twenty. So mm. yeah. I don't know. 
I guess a dissident follows you around more than it follows me around. I feel I feel like I gotta look up my dissident count now. I'm not sure how many I have. But I also have tons of versions of Got Some in the encore where it just totally destroys the set for me. So that's Got Some is my dissident. There you go. Um, all right, even flow here. Uh, I've I, had dissident two times. Okay, uh, so we're tied. Okay, I, I envy you too. <laughs> it's just one more I love it <laughs> uh, Anybody have any issues With Even Flow being played this late in the set I know it's it's a mid-set song And we're used to it mid-set Here I, 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 I think It could have stood out a little more If it were in a different spot I feel like here Coming off a of dissonant and going into black it, It's hard to It, it almost seems normal and it, it it seems like it should have been in focus a little more i uh i disagree i i i actually think this makes perfect sense so and my, my reasoning is is that you know they have more material now but it's not like a huge abundance of songs so i feel like this hit group that we have at the end like you said kind of n- normal in a sense of it's a normal thing to do for bands you know it's it's a standard thing to have a ton of fresh stuff that they could play throughout the show or they could kind of go back to older stuff here and there Uh, but I think we're closing out a set for a band at this time of their career I think playing the hits towards the very end of the set uh, it makes a lot of sense and for me not Pearl Jam because you know they have their ways now but when i go and see other bands that maybe i haven't seen before you know you expect something like this to happen and that's why i'm okay with this here because i'm thinking of the time period and and i'm speaking for people which i i don't like to do but i i I could see maybe some of the fans wanting it this way back then too it's like okay we're getting closer to the end of the set and then you get these hits and it's a very exciting uh, it's it's an exciting thing to have towards the end of the night. Well, I'm 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 sure that Brad, with the distaste and displeasure, uh, with with dissident, would be willing to have Mary had a little lamb after it. So <laughs> he was probably thrilled. Yeah, to go from the low of dissident to the high of even flow was pretty great. But no, I sure. totally agree with what Matt's saying. I think at this this era of the band, they. They're definitely going to wait to play some of the bigger songs, especially even flow. And I'll be honest with you, I wish it still was played later in the set these days. Because to me, I I love uh, Mike's solo on this song. I still love it to this day. I'd be upset if they didn't play even flow at a show I went to, because I think Mike playing that solo is a huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely so, is. Yeah. I think it's and to me, a huge deal that we, we take for granted on the show that, you know, we have even flow every single time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most shows that would have just one Pearl Jam uh, show that they're focused on would talk about even flow throughout the duration. But yeah. we it's just so common for us that we yeah. don't. And I get that. But I just think that that. When they play it, they play it now like it's the sixth or seventh song usually. They're kind of blowing their load too early. Like, I want to see Mike going crazy towards the end of the set. And I, th- I think that's like a huge set piece. 
Yeah, I I agree to that to a point, but I, I do kind of like their formula now because I I don't like to say to get it out of the way uh, it, to make to make that sound like a bad mm-hmm. thing. It, it, I mean more of like okay, they did that already, so now that makes room for something else because that yeah. like you said, I mean it's it's a huge load to blow <laughs> in the middle of a set, but it's almost like okay. What else are they going to blow at too. the end of the night? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like a double edged sword. Yeah. It's, it's you 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 take it, but you, you would take it somewhere else. Hey, listen, after the last show, what what was it? Number three or something? I, mean, I would have it at number. Th- I thought that was amazing. I, I like I like it earlier early. in the set than I like it later than the set. It that, was awesome, but yeah. I, I I think for this show though, I think I think this fit pretty well. And I wrote when we get to black, I. And then with a live coming up after that, you're at the end of a set in 1995, mm-hmm. and this is you know even flow black alive. This is a moment created that these concert goers are going to remember for the rest of their life. Yeah, that the one the one thing I'll say is that because you have two electric arena rock songs in even flow and alive, does it make sense? And this is the closest I've ever seen them together outside of them doing a full 10 show. Uh, but I think it it they do it strategically because you don't want this to be too close to Alive and kind of take the momentum out of both of them. Uh, Alive is always in its spot, very close to the end of the set, in the bread and butter spot, as we like to say. And... That has its own showcase, and that's, I guess, why Even Flow has its own little showcase in the middle of the set, so the two don't kind of combat with each other, you know what I mean? And then you have Porch sometimes that finishes up an encore or the main set as well, which is also very punchy and fierce and, and's got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to it. So I think it's good that they usually space these ones out. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And I think here is the is the opposite working where it works well because you have even flow and people are like, oh, my God, it's even flow. They're getting towards the end of the set. This is so great. This is a great way to close it out. And then it's black and it's like, oh, my God, what? this is amazing. This is amazing. And then it's alive and it's just like people's minds are exploding all yeah. over the venue. You know, <laughs> I think for this period of time, it's, it's right, definitely right. clicking. Uh, you yeah, know. I, I think I think maybe. I mean, I don't know. I guess we would just have to see it. Like, it would today, would it just be like information overload, emotional overload? I don't know. I, it's something I guess you just you have to see it. And and Brad saw it, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we do need to move on to black now, though, because we're kind of off of even flow onto black. This version sounds so much different than something we would hear live today going back to the evolution of the song uh like we were saying with rearview mirror it's just evolved so much throughout the years and i think black is ever evolving it's always got these moving pieces to it where it might be different if you hear it back-to-back nights it might be different than uh on the second night than the first they might do something different with the tag they might do something different with the sound uh there's all sorts of things going on with black and this it i just feel like they were using a lot of delay pedals here and it was giving it a different vibe a kind of more a more depressing edge than than usual which is is saying a lot uh and 
it's really not using rhythm guitar section in the verses, so it, it feels emptier. I don't know if you guys picked up on that either. Well, I think <laughs> this was awful. Like, they played, I don't know if it was Jack was off and throwing everybody off, but they this version was just, the performance was terrible. It just sounded like all of them were off to me. I, I, I didn't want to be the one to say it. Okay, uh, no, I, I was just. You know what, though? I, I, I don't think I, it was. I, I don't think it was. A, it like wasn't. The evolution is different and it sounded different, or they were trying something different. I think Jack was just off. And he didn't. It's not, I don't think he came in at the right point, and that fucked mm. everybody up for the whole thing. Yeah, you know, it didn't really ruin it for me, but it, it was not my favorite performance by any means of the song. I. I don't know if I would say horrible, but it was not like it wasn't really hitting the mark for me performance wise. For sure. I could definitely agree to that. I, you know what I was? I was focusing more on this pairing here of like a even flow black alive. And I'm thinking of like what what a emotional moment that would have been as a whole for for concert goers. And then I'm like kind of getting through the song and i'm like hey you know this doesn't sound that good though <laughs> no it's, there's something something there was just something bad about it yeah and i thought well maybe if it's jack he'll 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 come back in the second verse and like catch mm. up to himself and he didn't <laughs> that's funny because i think at the second verse was where i said to myself like oh you know what i wasn't really even paying attention to the song yeah. and and, I, and it's it's not really it's not hitting it for me. Yeah. This is usually the point in the set where I'm listening to it. And I'm just, if, if I've heard a single song for the last couple shows, I'm just uh, kind of drift in space a little bit. <laughs> um, and I think that's what happened with this. Uh, I noticed some things that were a little different. And then once it kind of got into the, to the meaty section of it, I, it just didn't capture my interest as much. So yeah, this is this wasn't the best version of this song. It was. And you're talking to someone. On, you're talking to someone that loves Black. That's like sure. my favorite oh, song. Yeah. So I don't know. Which maybe it's I'm, not metal I'm, enough I'm, though. Picky. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like their least metal song. <laughs> oh man, it's so not metal. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, so that brings us into Alive here, and I thought this was a fantastic version of Alive. Uh, it sounded at first like the band didn't come together in the beginning. Uh, uh, I wrote that too. Jack's, yeah. Jack's intro was was so awkward. So is Jack? So Jack had a bad two songs here, or song and a half, I would up. say. So, so, song, song, and an intro. Yeah, because they right, come yeah. back together and they fucking nail a lot. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I wrote that down. I have that in a second. I. Yeah. It was just that intro. It was just the intro. Everything else was crazy tight. You're a hundred percent right. This is actually Jack really stands out in this. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if you noticed uh, that in. I love this. This is not a version. We're going to have to play this because I don't have it marked to play, but we're going to have to play this. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's at the end, and he does this little drum bit, and it kind of has that build, kind of like how War Pigs has, where it's a... And you don't hear that at no. the end of the live. It's very straightforward, but this version has it. 
I I I um related it to um oh what's that song the um wipeout oh yeah uh, that's okay. what it sounds like he's he's doing yeah. that with Mike's fucking shredding solo over the top of it it's, it's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah I think we definitely should listen to it now because it's just sure it, it's so different uh, that I just want you all to hear it and just relish it now. Kind of, you said it was Wipeout. I kind of mm-hmm. think it's War Pigs ish. Yeah. Um, which is funny because they've actually tagged War Pigs off of Alive before. Yeah, that's so, right. You know, with Mike kind of doing doing a little lick there. All right. I have to say this. I went back and I listened to War Pigs because I just wanted to make sure that that was the ending. <laughs> and then when I listened to it, I said to myself, wait a minute. Isn't that the ending to Iron Man? And I listened to both songs. I'm like, Though the endings of both songs sound almost exactly the same, <laughs> where one of them I, I I don't remember which one is which. One of them is da na 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 da na 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 na, and the other one is ah uh, fuck I can't even remember now. Um, I think that one was just Iron Man you were singing, right? Well, I thought that was War Pigs when I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the other one. Da, na, 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 na. I think that's Iron Man. No, that's War Pigs. I think that's, that's War, War Pigs. Pigs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, I like like I said, it's like it's like life wasted worldwide suicide. I'll just I will always confuse them. Yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are as confused as I am because I listen to them. I'm just like, wait a minute. I thought that was that. Wait, what does Iron Man sound like now? Because I, I didn't actually listen to Iron Man in years. I don't know why. Right. But um, it's just one. It's one of those songs that you like. You don't have to listen to because you kind of know it. But I guess that's not the case. Yeah. Until someone asks you about it, and you're like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> right. So. Uh, all right, Ed is on the mic, and he says, don't let anyone call you Generation Xers. Call yourselves the Generation Y, because you're asking a lot of questions. At least you're not Generation Z, falling asleep. Um, we're millennials, and I don't know, what are, what are you, Brad? You're, you're I'm Gen X. A, you're I'm Gen, Gen X. X. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about that. Like, Generation X is pretty fucking metal, like that term. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm Gen X. Yeah. This is awesome. Gen X. Now that is metal. Yeah. And even better than that, Degeneration X. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, this goes into blood. Um, and speaking of the Generation Z and falling asleep, I thought that this, the entry of this song had zero zip, zero attitude. Uh, Ed is not really at full capacity. I think it lacks the punch 
that you enjoy from blood and i think it really just sort of it it it's got it takes away from the grid it was more funk and less grid it had that 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 uh um more the vibe of what the pre verse is the more the as i always love to explain things through singing the damn song why can't i use my words i'm on a fucking podcast uh uh and it had more of that vibe and that stood out to me more than the actual the grit of the song so i want to what do you guys think about that so i i have a theory on why you feel that way about this one okay first i just want to get out of the way that yeah the the it was such a janky and awkward start man i really hate that giving the song away type thing where he says the name of it and then there's this like you know 20 second pause where they don't do anything before they it's just too much lead up for a song that's supposed to kick you in the nuts you know now into my theory is why i thought this song was weird in 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 a way i thought for the most part the performance was there but there seems to be this really awkward uncomfortable tension between jeff and stone and jack and what i mean by that is it looks like they're waiting for him or maybe even worse, expecting him to fuck up the timing of the song. Hmm. And uh, it's like this palpable feeling of awkward tension and anxiety. This is, like you said, most musicians that I've talked to about Blood, I think we were talking to, uh, what's his face from uh, Last Exit about this? Your, your friend, remember? Yes, Kurt. When we were at that show, and he says this is by far the toughest song, at least from verses to play? Yeah. I think he said he just he tries to just forget about thinking about it and goes on autopilot when he plays it. Uh, Something like that, yeah. I didn't notice any of that. <laughs> to be okay. To be okay. to be honest with you, um, the only thing I wrote down was that the the end, the song just like descends into this weird like madness. Like audio, That's exactly madness. what I wrote. Mm-hmm. I it's said cool. a derailed it's, train wreck. It yeah. descends into madness. It sounds fucking cool though. And Eddie's just like trying to destroy his mic stand, you know. Yes. But and but kind I was, of. I was, he's. I was. Why did it take him so long? It's just a mic stand. He could not break that thing. It took him yeah. forever. And but then he does the weirdest thing. He fucking hands it off to the audience. Like, what the fuck are they going to do what with they, a mic stand? Right. right. <laughs> There's no eBay at the time. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just... someone out there like, oh, I shouldn't have thrown that away the next day. Right, yeah. And or that's left why... It, left it there. <laughs> he went home to his hotel that night and said, I got to think of a thing to throw in the crowd. Ah, a tambourine. Yeah. That would work. Um, People would like that. <laughs> or maybe I'll just throw some picks. <laughs> that's easy too all right we get that takes us into the encore and uh we get back on stage and uh ed is out with a with a frog i believe uh this just wasn't them solo i believe a frog was on stage i don't yes. know which frog uh but a frog and uh they play this song we're gonna play it it's called Starboy. and if you listen to the song it reminds at least it reminds me a ton of another song that might be familiar to you about a certain girl that needs to be a girl. Uh, so listen to it and see if it reminds you of the same one. 
executive with his pants down, sitting behind a desk, a bad dream of your star boy. Be a star boy. Could be yours. Fancy cat, fashion girls. How bad you want to be a star Be a star Guys, is this not B girl? Is this not the same thing as B girl? Be a star boy, be a star boy. Isn't it the same thing? Yeah, I never, I never thought of that, but I, I can see that. When was that song written? Uh, I think around the verses era, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. because it's weird because I, I thought I could be wrong. I, I thought I looked it up when I was listening to it. I don't think this song "Star Boy" was re- even released until like '97. Hmm. Which is weird. Was it ninety seven? I thought it was. Let's see. I don't. I don't remember. I looked it up when I was yeah, listening. You're to the right. Song yes, ninety seven. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. I got a good memory. Hmm. So no, not even frogs fans in the audience know what the fuck they're right. doing here. Yeah. Unless I think this, this is was, like their Lucan. And it was. Uh, it, it was. J- I think it was Jimmy that came out, the guitar player, yeah, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah, that the, sounds right. The brother who uh, he passed away. Yeah, Dennis. D- Dennis, thank you. Dennis, Few years Dennis is the one that wrote uh, "I Miss You Always." Right, smile. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, another. It's 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 another song very similar to the "I Only Play for Money." You know, just another tongue in cheek song about you know record executives. Yeah, kind of weird. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the frogs are they're they're weird. I mean, if you check out their music, they're just a local Milwaukee band that Eddie was friends with, I think, from when he was living in Chicago. So, it's friends with some weird people. I mean, yeah. now he, he's friends with like Bradley Cooper and those yeah. types, but uh, he also he's the one person that could have friends in such high places and friends in such low places because yeah. he'll he'll make friends with the gas station attendant because mm-hmm. he's like oh i remember when i used to be there uh how many times has he brought like security guards on stage that he has befriended over the years you know yeah, like, like the, the the janitor in that venue for the night or something is his best friend right exactly like he's the every man that just happens to uh have bradley cooper in his cell phone you know that's <laughs> Um, Ed says, how about a big hand for the frogs who whooped the donkey's ass tonight? Unlike Winamp that whips the llama's ass. Uh, I hope you guys got that joke. Did you guys get that joke? Please get that joke. No, no, <laughs> I didn't. You, unlike who? You didn't have Winamp? Win, oh, Winamp. No. Yeah. No, I was, a, so, I was a late adopter to the internet. Oh, uh, <laughs> so Matt, do you know what I'm talking about or, uh, it, that was like a Windows. That was like the media player, right? Yeah, yeah. Was it like so, Win, Winamp Media Player? Yeah. So it, if whenever you first downloaded it, it came with like the you know the first track or whatever was playing in your playlist. It it was like the default one, and you you'd play it if you if you heard it, and it would say Winamp. It whips the llama's ass. 
I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. S- is, so stupid. Is that what Eddie's <laughs> referencing? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I I don't think Eddie not has a computer at this point in his life. <laughs> Ed has a two-bedroom apartment um, and, and some fish, maybe. Right. <laughs> He's got uh, a hamster. Yeah. Uh, Bad Religion also opened. He said, same with Bad Religion. Uh, we're going to play something called Maggot Brain for you. Uh, and uh, this is our friend Chad. who doesn't actually say Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He just says our friend Chad. And I was waiting for this whole, like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili. And he d- didn't. It was just my friend Chad. Like, it was just... <laughs> Just Chad from from Milwaukee coming. Another out there. one of Eddie's friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Jack yeah. Irons replacement. <laughs> uh, literally could have could have joined the band at one point with all their drummers. Um, Jack Irons is like this guy's replacing me everywhere I go. <laughs> Chad Smith will not leave me alone. Jack Irons is probably like, thank fucking god, I'm being replaced <laughs> again. Uh, so Chad Smith is on this one, um, and it's not just Maggot Brain, it's Little Wing into Maggot Brain, uh, it just kind of transitions into the song, and I, uh, I think we're gonna play it, cause we don't really hear either of these, so let's do it, and I'll have some things to say about it afterwards.
I thought the Little Wing section here was pretty good. I was digging it because uh, I really like the song. Um, what I don't like, I think Maggot Brain is fucking boring. Mm. I think that whole album, I've listened to the whole album before, and it, it's it's a classic, and the album cover alone is a classic, but, man, at least at least there's drums on, on this part. I, he, Ch- Chad Smith's literally coming out to play a drum part for a song that doesn't have any percussion. It was weird that Chad played on, on this stuff. For who Matt, I, for who he is, they should have fucking yeah, played right. Dirty Frank. <laughs> now you're you trying go. too hard. Written that was written when they were on tour with the Chili Peppers, right? I mean, yeah, and it sounds like a Chili Peppers song. That makes um, yeah, that makes. Sense. I will just say real quick before I get into my critique of it, I loved seeing Chad in his uh, blonde hair, uh, uh, one hot minute days. Uh, that was that was fun to see. <laughs> no but, backwards hat uh, for him. No, I think he just had the the blonde hair. Okay. No, no, like no, no overalls either. He was probably like, "I'm glad I'm playing with somebody that's not Dave uh, Navarro." Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Little Wing was fine, I guess. But yeah, Maggot Brain. It's a classic, iconic album that I really enjoy. But I don't like that song. It's the first song. It's like ten minutes long. This was weird because I've I Randy, I mentioned it to you today. I, I know people that have played with Chad Smith before, and they all say that he's the loudest drummer that they have ever played with, hands down, and probably will be the loudest drummer they've ever played with in their entire life. So you put him on two slow jams, and one of them doesn't even have drums in it in the, in the actual song. It, such a waste! So it's a waste of of a of a of a cameo here. I, I don't get it. First of all, what's what's Chad Smith even doing uh, in Milwaukee at this point? Or the Chili, did the Chili Peppers play at Summerfest? Uh, no, I feel like no, okay. I looked I looked it up. I don't know the Peppers. I don't even think they toured that year. Maybe the end of the year, but during this time, there, there was no reason for him to be there professionally. This is weird, yeah, it's Milwaukee out of all places. It wouldn't have been for a couple months because. One Hot Minute didn't come out until September of 95. So there's still a couple months out before I would assume a tour would have started. Yeah. I, I just, so maybe he was just available? I mean. I, I guess, but I mean, he's got to be doing something there. He, it, it, not just floating around being like, can't wait to play Little little Wing and Maggot Brain with you guys tonight. <laughs> uh, I don't think. Maybe Jack think just needed a, a breather. Imagine Jack <laughs> calling Chad like a week before this and said, I'm going to need a breather in Milwaukee. Can you help me out for like, I don't know, Maggot Brain's what, a 10 minute song? So yeah. I don't know, like 12 minutes or so. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I loved this whole thing, this whole little wing into Maggot Brain. Um, I didn't, I was not familiar with Maggot Brain and I didn't even know. That was a th- like a song until years later, um, when I saw like the track list. I'm like, I was at that show. What the fuck is Maggot Brain? <clears throat> when I listened they to it, had to have made that up. That's too ridiculous. Yeah, I to just be a real I just thing. figured it was like an extension of Little Wing. It was just this weird jam that Mike went off on his own thing. It felt seamless. It didn't feel like you were playing to two different yeah. songs. I actually had to listen to it a second time. To, to be able to it. figure, yeah, to figure out when it came in, yeah. Uh, 
but McCready tears it apart, but it's just boring to me. Do you think there's a chance that the Chili Peppers were done recording and the album hadn't come out? What are the odds that Chad Smith was still living in Minnesota? Was he living in Minnesota? I don't. That's that's where he's from. So, oh, do you think maybe he's living there and it's before their tour and their press and all that stuff starts and there's this great Summerfest thing going on where you know Bad Religion and Pearl Jam are playing and he's like, oh, I know Jack. Let me go over and spend he, the weekend or something. Is that a possibility? Does he, does mean, he does he have any side projects that he might have been playing at Summerfest? I don't know. I mean, he was he was he um. I mean, he did like all the drums for the Dixie Chicks. I'm pretty sure, but back then, I don't know. I don't know what his side projects would have been. Because this he, was I mean, he had been in the Chili Peppers since like the late '80s. Since at this like point, right? 80, yeah. 88, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mother's Milk. Yeah, Mother's Milk. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm stumped on this one, guys. Uh, <laughs> let's just can we agree that maybe he just wanted to go to Milwaukee's for a Brewers game and some cheese? Uh, like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go with it. Let's go with That's, it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Chad Smith seems like a pretty fun loving guy. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say he doesn't just hop over to another state to go to a music festival. Hey, wait, you guys, what if it wasn't Chad Smith? What if it was <laughs> Will Ferrell? <laughs> he's, he's from Chicago or lived in Chicago. <laughs> It's all adding up. Will Ferrell wasn't even close to being famous by this point, was he? Yeah. But that's uh, that might have been when he was at Second City. So There's another theory. <laughs> was it Will Ferrell? Uh Moving, moving on. We got two more to get through here. I have a feeling. Uh, I have a feeling. Baba Farrar is going to have all the answers for us. Yup, and he's going to be mad that I'm not texting him right now. It's really hard to text during a show. I, I don't know why. And then, I, and then if you don't answer right away, you got to backtrack, and then I got to edit. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah, I, I'd rather sound like a dumbass and have us correct us via email. Exactly, and then next week, if, if we wanted to even bring attention to it next week, we could. So but. It depends on how dumb we sound. If it's real bad, we're, we're just going to ignore it completely. Yeah. All right, like I said, two more to get through, guys. Uh, better Man here. I think it's an okay transition uh, outside of uh, Little Wing Maggot Brain. Uh, definitely good. You're ending with two songs that are, you know, primetime players. They're, they're big hitters. Uh and it's kind of in the wheelhouse of, I, I assume Better Man was, uh, you know, a hit single at this point. You had mentioned before that uh, Spin a Black Circle was was the single mm-hmm. off, the first single off the album. But I would assume by this point, if Better Man's being played in an encore, it's yeah. probably on the radio. Yeah. And for me personally, I had I had heard it on bootlegs well before Vitology came out. So I was excited to hear it. I, I loved Better Man when it when I first heard it and heard it on bootlegs. The like the Atlanta show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's the famous uh Better Man. Uh, well and I think it was on um that hallucinogenic recipe bootleg. Oh yeah, you were that, telling me about that. That had like Eddie's Eddie's tapes that he, you know, four track tapes that he made like in his bedroom because, you know, I've, you know, better man was, yeah, it was a bad radio song. So I think I had heard it first on that and it's, it was pretty cool to see how it evolved from like 
Eddie's in his bedroom, and then you hear the bad radio version, then you hear, you know, the demo version, and then you hear Atlanta. You know, it's pretty cool to see how it changed. Yeah, this is another one that evolves. I mean, after this, you get into where they start doing Save It For Later as the tag, Mm -hmm. and it becomes a long version. This is still, Better Man is still, you know, a a three-minute-ish song at this point but yeah this this does really evolve live uh as it goes forward yeah i i agree and and even though i thought this version uh at the show was pretty tame it's still at the sound at the at the same time it sounds bright and fun and seeing this as a second to last encore closer i mean must have been just amazing at, at the time and i i mean it would be amazing now i would probably cry my eyes out if if (laughs) if this had happened especially with the way they play it now so it was i mean stone's not even doing the backup at the end here which is always a fun little part that we we like to touch on every time he does it which is usually every single time so Mm -hmm. i like to touch on it when he doesn't do it because you know it was you know in the in the early he couldn't shuffle quick enough yeah (laughs) maybe just he was like uh, i didn't sing that on the album so i'm not doing it live or uh the microphone's all the way over there I don't really feel like running up to it, so I'm just not going to do it. But yeah, I mean, it just feels it feels good here. I like it. And that uh, takes us to the closer of the night, which is Porch. I think it's appropriate for everything that had been played beforehand to kind of go out with a bang. Um, it's not my all-time favorite Porch, but, uh, you know, I think it did its job. Uh, the bridge kind of dragged in a direction that made me feel like you kind of left the song that it completely changed and and porch can do that at times but it it's can still feel like porch i felt like this version turned into something that wasn't porch in the bridge and i wasn't sure really what was going on during it uh but it wasn't massively egregious it, i you know from I will just say this from for this being the last song of the night and you know a song of this magnitude how how did it end your night Brad I I loved it that that quiet drony drum part that you're talking about I I thought it was really cool you know especially like in the moment I kind of remember like how like you said it kind of left the song porch like it became something else and then it came back into porch i thought that was just amazing yeah randy i feel like you and i are starting to uh be really uh, at end sometimes with porch lately because uh, even though i i completely understand what you're saying it, it definitely did feel different i thought that this was a kick-ass version of a kick-ass closer to and a show that started off kicking you in the ass. And I I appreciated it. I, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was a little different, but in a very good way. I, I, perfect way to tie it all, all together here. Nice little bow. Yeah, we, we have kind of been on different ends of the spectrum with the porch. I really liked the porch from last week. I thought it was one of the better ones that we've heard and this one i was it was it was just a little dry for me uh and that's Mm. not to say that hearing it live uh would have been different it's just kind of like like we do every episode we have to kind of uh you know kind of 
uh, review a bootleg instead of review a show sometimes, and that's mm-hmm. sort of how I heard it at this point. Um, but I like when they do end a full show with Porch. I think it's a good way to end. I didn't watch any of the videos, so I don't know. Is Eddie up to any hijinks during this? or No, you know, he's not. And I'll say this. The entire show, the whole band is pretty low-key. Like, you know, Mike is not running around like a madman. Jack is the only one who's, like, kind of... Jack, is, his arms are yeah. going to fly <laughs> yeah. at any moment. And Jeff kind of, here and there, kind of gets into it. But, man, for the most part, like, Eddie does not really move from center stage. He does, during porch, he actually does, like, walk over to one side and they think he's kind of waving at people, but, like, that's it. Like, unless there's a solo going on, he'll, Eddie will kind of go back into the shadows. But the rest of the show, they are, they're really low-key. And I don't know if that's, you know, you, we know Mike was sick after the show. You know Eddie is sick two days later at Soldier Field. And they're coming off of the cancellation, you know, at Golden, what is it, Golden Gate Park or whatever, those yeah. shows. So I don't know... And I don't know, you know, like I said, if, if that was normal for that time or if they were all kind of feeling under the weather. But there's not a lot of, you know, movement from any of the guys for overall the whole show. It's interesting because this is a time period where I, I, I'm sure that, you know, they were very cautious after everything with Golden Gate and mm-hmm. Ed especially. And Ed sometimes with the energy can drive that energy. And if he doesn't quite have, you know, up to his potential, uh, the band sometimes won't follow it in, in suit. So right. I, you know, like I said, I, I didn't actually watch the YouTube version of this, but uh, I, I get, I get what you're saying that, you know, everybody was just kind of low key at, at a certain level, but it's, it's weird with porch though, because this is prime time for porch for them to, to go nuts. Yeah. You know, maybe head into the crowd, maybe jump on a speaker. I don't know. Uh, Mm. uh, throw something again, a mic. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I guess for the time period, it does feel a little, a little tame. But. There was there was a lot of um, like solo during Mike's solos or just the band jamming. It seemed like they all came together like in front of Jack, and then they would kind of fall back into their places when Eddie would start singing again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, everybody, let's rate the show. Start off with Brad. Oh God, I mean, I'd give it a ten. We don't give tens on the show, no Brad. We're yeah. more critical than that. Come on. Uh, now you can give it a ten. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a show. It's a show in the '90s and his first show. Yeah, I think I that's allowed. Okay, thank you. Of course, <laughs> of course. Just with just opening with with Act of Love, the the rarities of of you know no Jeremy and like Little Wing. Like Little Wing, this was the first time they played Little Wing proper. The other times they had played it, it was just a tag. Right. So, and then Maggot Brain, just all the little things that, you know, um, for me was just insane. Yeah, cool. Um, Act of Love was awesome. 
Uh, no, Jeremy was, I'm still a little confused about, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it's rare. Uh, Chad Smith, one of my all time favorite drummers from, you know, one of my all time favorite bands. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, besides a couple hiccups here and there with mostly with just placement in the set, which I can't even fault them for because of the time period, everything was performed wonderfully i mean it was a really beautifully played show so uh easy eight from me yeah no i I had a lot of fun listening to the show i feel like i might have come off a little bit more critical than my overall thoughts about it uh but i really i I don't know how much i emphasized how much i really loved the opener of active love into go i think that was definitely uh a standout point both of both of those songs were standout points from the show. Uh, no Jeremy is weird, but it is what it is. And it's stuck in this little time capsule and we're going to keep it there. And I kind of appreciate that it's sort of there in this time period. And I appreciated that we talked about it and, and Brad, you kind of gave uh, some closure on it. And, uh, you know, of course, Matt, I, I knew you were going to think it was weird and awful, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, it, it's a moment above everything else. It's a moment and it's something that you remember and, uh, little wing and maggot brain, uh, with Chad Smith, you know, we mentioned this with Slater Kinney last week that not every single performance with Slater Kinney was, you know, the gold standard of performance, but it was memorable. It was memorable that Corin Tucker came out and uh, performed Hugger Strike with Eddie. It was memorable that they did Fortunate Son and a couple other covers. Uh, and honestly, considering that this week of all weeks, I posted, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm posting things to Facebook and I ask people, hey, uh, you know, if you, ha- if you went to the show, uh, let us know what you thought. Uh, I posted... I usually post the poster with it, but since the poster for the show was the same poster for every show during that tour, uh, I decided to go a little different. I decided to post the clip for Little Wing and Maggot Brain since it was such a, uh, a standout moment. And then I realized that two other people, I don't know if they saw that I posted it or not, and they, they stole it for themselves, but two other people right afterwards in the following days, probably two days afterwards they posted the same exact clip now they got way more likes than i did which is understandable because i know that nobody (laughs) likes me and nobody likes when you go into a pearl jam group and all you want to talk about is your own podcast uh i fully understand that but um but that just speaks to the moments and the moments that you can kind of look back and and have no attachment to those shows and say whoa, they actually played that? that? That's pretty incredible that they were there with Chad Smith. So uh, although I really don't like Maggot Brain, I think it's boring, uh, I, I, it was a moment. And overall, I think the show was really was good. It was great. And it was an eight. I, that's all I got. It was an eight. I was going to say the poster, even though it was for all the shows, was a really cool poster. Yeah, they, it, that's, um, I can't remember exactly. It, it's just, it was blue it and it's like just a, like a Mr. Bill type guy, right? It looks like a, I thought, now I'm 
trying to remember. Does it, it kind of looks like an old time like stamp or something with like a Mr. Bill type character on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of it, it looked uh, you know like from the you know 30s or 40s. I was thinking it's kind of right. like a carnival image. Thank yeah, carnival. Okay, right, right. that's and, it. That makes and sense. speaking of, that's one of the ones I don't have for a show I went to. So mm, if anyone out there wants to, to sell me one, if you got an extra one, let me know. <laughs> it's probably it's probably going. Yeah. Oh the yeah. It's there. Yeah. They're they're hard to find. They're hard to come by. But, but you never know. I totally. I I got a yeah. I got a Thomas train from Wrigley a few weeks ago. And I've been chasing that since since August when they sold cool. out. You never know when that. You just gotta keep an eye out for yeah. those things. You never. I mean, it's it's rare that they'll pop up, but yeah. it's you know you can't say that they'll never pop up. And who knows? Maybe you have a you have a fan on on your podcast that would be willing to give you a good deal or something. So sure, keep an eye out. Yeah, I hope so. Don't or, give up. I'm I'm just that's all I'm t- telling you to do. Just don't give up. <laughs> Uh, okay, Brad, do you want to play a game while uh, oh boy. we're still here? Sure. Have you listened to any of the episodes <laughs> where we've had guests play games? Yes, and I'm okay. completely nervous because I don't want to embarrass myself. Well, I don't but... think – this one. This one's really difficult. <laughs> I, I, I thought because you know your shit, I would give you a really tough one, and I – Maybe I was a little too tough (laughs) because I don't think I don't think I would do very well on this one. But well, if Randy doesn't think he'd do well on this one, then I'm going to keep time and Randy's going to (laughs) count. Yeah, whatever. Oh god! All right, (laughs) all right. Yeah, Uh, I'm thinking Randy probably did some uh, research beforehand. I hope I did a lot of research for this one. Yeah, this wasn't just a. This took Randy four days to research. You have one minute. This wasn't oh, just a, a, a pick a game on Sporkle uh, type type game. Uh, <laughs> this was straight from my mind. Can you name as many openers, opening bands for Pearl Jam? Oh, and this God. Is okay. Not festivals. This is touring Pearl Jam. Uh, as many openers as possible. And I have a lot written down here bands that I've never heard of before uh, and then some are fairly obvious uh, I don't know how many I have okay. I'm not gonna count them but most likely you'll say everybody that I have on my list and if I don't have it on my list I won't count it and then I'll just go back and we'll we'll kind of I don't know okay we'll do something all so, right all right time on the clock I'm ready when you are go. Rancid, uh, Bad Religion, The Frogs, <laughs> uh, Frank Black, um, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I don't have them. Oh, well, I uh, let's see. Jeez, um, Slater Kenny. Um, <laughs> so bad at this. Openers. This is a really this, tough one. I, yeah. I apologize. Well, especially because like the last ten years they don't tour with anybody. I know. Um, oh, let's see. I can hear Ben Harper, the Fastbacks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my posters. Uh, um, I love it's it. Smart. Uh, it's smart. It's um, God, that's <laughs> uh, Mike Watt. Did he ever open for them? 
Um, oh, I don't know if I have them down. Oh, God. Um, God. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Time. Time? You got Time. seven. Seven? I think that's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> um, I'm not going to name them all on my list. I'm just going to go through obvious ones. Uh, Mud Honey. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, the, the obvious ones are going to kill me that I didn't think of these. Go ahead. My Morning Jacket. Mm. Buzzcocks. X. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie and Gob Roberts. That was uh, the vote for Change Tour. Uh, Sparta opened up for them for a while. Uh, no clue. Sonic, Sonic Youth. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Vandals opened up for them. Oh, that wow. was one I, I didn't know. It was a European tour, I think. Uh, Social D. Of course. Uh, Cheap Trick. Iggy Pop. Tenacious D opened up for them twice. Really? Yeah. Uh, Wallflowers. That, that one I didn't know. That's crazy. The Ramones. King's X. Mm. Uh, Blind Melon apparently opened up for them. B- Butthole Surfers. <laughs> Most of these other ones, like, I'm going through. And if I mention these bands, you guys aren't going to have any fucking clue. <laughs> I've never heard of them. Cadillac Tramps. The Doughboys. Darling Buds. Uh, <laughs> Urge Overkill. Oh, yeah. Winter Sleep. You know that one? Urge Overkill, yeah. I've never heard. I've never heard a half. Oh man, Urge Overkill's got a song called "Sister Havana," hmm. and they also did. Um, okay, in Pulp Fiction, the Neil Diamond covers "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon." Oh, that's that's Urge. That's Urge Overkill. They were huge uh, when they came out in Chicago. They from Chicago. They were man. That "Sister Havana" song was gigantic. I. Sorry. This is all news to me. I didn't. I didn't know any of this. No. Yeah, this check them good. out. They're pretty good. Uh, the meanies. The meanies. No. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a openers opener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the band that goes on in the parking they hit the lot. The stage at like th- at like three p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Betcha dupa. <laughs> yeah. These were getting terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they, they weren't even words anymore. Did you guys see him? Uh, you guys see him when uh, when they played with the uh, the pee pee poopoos and the wee wee peepees? The flying nuns go on for that days. was informative. Um, before we say goodbye to you, Brad, and we really appreciate you coming on, uh, Matt. We forgot to tell you something. Uh, so we started so, the show. So this, th- yeah, this this conversation started with the two of these guys. <laughs> laughing and I, I i was saying hello and hi and trying to make sure they knew that i was on the line and uh, i couldn't get through because they were laughing so uh, i don't know why so usually <laughs> usually when i have a guest on uh when we have a guest on the show um i tell them beforehand that i use my fiance's skype uh so you know they're not weirded out by <laughs> okay who is this random girl that is uh uh trying to call me so this time I thought I'd be a little creep. <laughs> I just sent Brad a message through Skype that's an ASL. <laughs> wow. Wow. What is this? 1999 yeah, America Online. Well, that's why I immediately saw it and thought, oh, well, that's this is obviously a bot. 
and I just I just blocked it. <laughs> oh, so you blocked it? Great. You fucking yeah. Blocked it. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, I love it. We had some laughs today, didn't we? Yeah. So then he texted me and he was like, hey, uh, (laughs) I tried messing with you. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know how to unblock you. So (laughs) I don't know what we're going to (laughs) do. Oh, man. I'm I'm glad we've made it to this point. Yeah. (laughs) uh, It's it's been a sheer miracle getting through this show. Uh, I appreciate you, you... Sticking, sticking with it through us. Uh, yeah, sticking through it with <laughs> us. Oh, I'm so mad at my words. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that you'll come on again and, and yeah, definitely. This, it won't sound like shit. Uh, <laughs> maybe we can get both you and uh, Lions on at one point. We do yeah. the real worlds collide here. Yeah, I would love to. Um, We'll, we'll just shut up when they're talking about music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like real, yeah, actually talking about music. Actual stuff. professional musicians. People love that stuff, though. They do. They do, I and, hope. and I know almost nothing about it. So <laughs> maybe we'll we'll do a big roundtable or something with all the Pearl Jam podcast people at some point. We're we have something in the works that is a Pearl Jam podcast community idea, right? Uh, uh, we'll, I have to get on my ass about that, uh, but we'll, we'll do it. I, mean, I, I just have to bring it up more often. Uh, but it's going to be something that uh, everybody can kind of get involved with, and we have more of a community since there are uh, five Pearl Jam podcasts out there in the yeah. world now. So, you know, we all yeah, that would be cool. going to stick together and, uh, and keep doing this thing, and hopefully there's some tours coming up that we can all meet up and and hang out definitely yeah thank you both for having me on this was a lot of fun anytime i'm glad you enjoyed it because i thought that i was fucking terrible at this show so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no dude it's it's pretty cool because i haven't listened to this boot in a while so it was cool to to revisit it and then just go go back and talk about it you know that's my favorite thing about this show and um i'll take a quote i'll sort of take a quote from uh a guy named Wild Bill who passed away a few years ago. Matt, you know who Wild Bill is. Yeah. And Wild Bill was a good man. He ran a store uh, that was close to the part of Connecticut that I used to live. It was called Wild Bill's. And it was just nothing but just, like, vinyl nostalgia. and Great nostalgia. 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 So, toys, everything. So my favorite, I read an article of his years ago and it says the first line the first question it says we sell memories and i feel like we do the same exact thing on this show we we try and invoke good memories out of out of the listeners and if either if they've gone to the show and have great memories from the show or maybe just memories of the era and memories of like their favorite era of the band where they they went to all the different Vitalogy tour uh, shows, and we're just trying to recreate those images and recreate those moments. And uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, we got to recreate it with you for this one. I, we we made we made a memory today. Definitely, definitely. I look forward to doing it again. We will do this again and someday. So thank you, Brad. 
right, let's get to uh, let's get to a story here. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on on too many stories. We got we got a lot of uh, response from the uh, porch forum, and every <coughs> single person. This is this was what was so great about it. Every single person that got in touch with us, just like Brad, it was their first show. How crazy it's- is that? Yeah, I mean, it's not super surprising because it's you know it's 1995. Uh, right. They're they're gaining a lot of steam, and maybe a lot of people are going to these shows, and especially shows like this where it's a you know a big summer fest. So mm-hmm. I'm happy that we were able to get our reach out to these people that were at at the show, and it was their first show. So I'm I'm happy how that worked out. Yeah, and Milwaukee is also not a place that they go back to a ton of times, so uh, it, it totally makes sense that it's right in the wheelhouse year Mm -hmm. and a lot of these people said this is the first of 50 or the first of 40 so you know these are these are lifers uh so we're going to tell a story from uh mike lewis he was nice enough to uh email us uh he's the one person that remember when we were doing the pick a location game yes he was the one person that got back to us and said hey i'm from green bay (laughs) awesome (laughs) so uh, we're going to tell his story. This is a, this is a pretty fun one. Uh, Hey guys, I heard your next episode is Milwaukee 95 night two. That was my first Pearl Jam show at the time. It was one of the very few Ticketmaster shows. Pearl Jam had to cancel the previous years at Summerfest. So they still booked for 95 and did two shows to make up for it. The previous years cancel. Uh, my three best friends and I were lucky enough to score tickets and somehow I convinced my parents to let me take their car for the two hour trip to Milwaukee. Since I was 17 at the time, it was nearly 24 years ago, and I don't recall details like recent shows, but I actually take notes a couple weeks after each show I attend, so I look back at those and I can refresh my memory and thoughts at the time. The energy of the show was amazing, perhaps the most electric show I've been to, which is 13 for him. Uh, That was a very interesting time for the band with the previous shows on the tour being canceled, the Ticketmaster mess, and getting sick in San Francisco, and the audience skewed younger at the time, so there was a lot more energy in recent years than than in recent years. I'm not complaining about recent shows. He says he's attended the last three Wrigley years and uh, Milwaukee, which was the Yield show in uh, 2014, but it was just different in the earlier years. Local band The Frogs opened, thought they were terrible, but Ed's guest appearance brought the crowd to their feet. He came out dressed in a wig and a shiny silver jacket, and nobody knew it was hidden in him until he started singing. And Bad Religion was the second opener, and he says that they were decent. How dare you? <laughs> Act of Love was an interesting opener. Had no clue what it was at the time, nor did most people in the crowd. Uh, the crowd were still into it, but everyone really got loud when they kicked in the go. I didn't like Slow Jeremy. Most of the crowd weren't happy with the new version either, uh, but the crowd was on fire after Animal, Dissident, Even Flow Trio. Blood was an amazing closer. Ed destroys his microphone stand at the end of the song, and but the crowd got a little listless with the Starboy, Little Wing, Maggot Brain to start the encore, and that's that was a long stretch short on energy in the crowd. All in all, it was a great show at a very different time for the band. The live experience was very different then versus now. I enjoy the current shows more due to length and variety, but the energy of early shows I saw in 95, 96, and 98 were just different than today. I had been listening to Pearl Jam since 92, but my addiction to the band truly began on this night. Thank you, Mike. That was yeah, awesome. Cool. That was a good one. I'm going to try to find one more uh, good one from 
the porch. Oh, the porch? The porch. Uh, this is from Edved007. Uh, this was my first show and what got me hooked. Flash forward almost 25 years and I've been to over 50 shows in eight different countries, five, three different continents, and it's crazy to think that this is what started it all. My uncle was friends with the director of music for Summerfest and surprised me with a pair of tickets like the day before, and he was able to get them from his friend. I was excited to go, had no idea the profound impact that night would have on me at the time. I can safely say that this is the single moment that set me on a course for a lifelong relationship with the band. Sounds corny, but every major life event after that was narrated by Pearl Jam in some way and will always be until they put me into the ground. Maggot Brain was just unreal. I didn't even know what was happening at the time, but it was crazy. I think the story goes that Mike wound up in the hospital after that for heat exhaustion or being dehydrated or something. Yes, it was definitely, I think it was dehydration. It could have possibly been something, but uh, that's uh, those are the stories. And I want to take this moment to kind of change the pace a little bit i know we had a lot of fun today but um sometimes you gotta uh talk about some some tough some tough things uh and this is a difficult one to talk about um i want to mention uh a woman named Lori hester uh i was told about Lori's story uh back at fenway uh, talking to sal espinoza and kathy davis uh, she had made the trip up to Boston all the way from California uh, while fighting through cancer. And I remember them telling me this and that she had been to all these different shows and that she was, you know, while we were doing the the meetup at uh, Game On, uh, you know, they said that she wanted to come or that, uh, you know, she had to stay in the room because she was just, she had to... You know gain enough energy for the show uh but i was just amazed that she was even there that she even took the trip um just i, ca I can't even fathom uh having to go through that and uh, you know and still keep such a positive mindset that you wanna you wanna hit these things because you, you just don't know you you just don't know when the stuff is going on what's what's determined you don't there there's nothing there's nothing determined uh so you kind of you kind of have to go out there and and really do everything sort of on kind of like a bucket list i don't want to say bucket list but i kind of have to unfortunately uh i was really amazed that she had the courage and strength to make it all the way across country uh and she had surpassed about 200 shows at the last Fenway ones in, in 2016. And she just uh, is a lifelong fan with amazing dedication to the band. And I'll preface this by saying we, we have never met Lori, uh, but we know her through osmosis and know her through other people. And that's what makes this story so difficult to talk about is that... Um, you know, we do have our friends that we met that night who we were so happy to, to talk to and, and, and have them tell us their stories that uh, just to see them heartbroken was, um, was tough, it was tough. And, and my heart breaks for them. Um, 
we lost Lori this past week, uh, lost her to cancer. And I don't like to use the phrase she lost her battle because um, it was very apparent that she did not give up a fight, um, that she was in until the very end, that she wanted to live a very fulfilled life. And it's, um, it's, it's almost in, in a way a happy story that she got to do all the things that she wanted to do at the end, like see uh, a band that she saw 200 times. She could have called it quit quits she could have said you know what i i just want to i want to get better but her getting better must have been this must have been her healing uh and sal uh kind of posted something he posted uh uh the version of release to that show and said that um he had uh he was sitting next to her the whole time and he can just feel the emotion uh, pouring out from her, and I, you know, I just want to send both of our thoughts through a difficult time to, uh, to especially to Kathy, Sal, Shannon, and Anthony, who we met that night, um, and uh, the rest of Lori's family uh, and friends and the Pearl Jam community, which she was really uh, loved and respected in. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know... Who you are. So, uh, if you have a show in mind that you uh, really want to hear us cover, please feel free to get in touch with us. We're really easy to get in touch with. Uh, live on Four Legs Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are always looking for new stories, for new things to do, uh, and all different eras, too. Uh, you know, I know we've been covering a lot of Riot Act and Binaural and uh, hopping back to Vitalogy a little bit. But, uh, look, every every show means something to every everybody, even if, uh, you know, if we give it a six or a five, it doesn't really matter because uh, the experience is so much different throughout everybody that's been to the show. So, uh Send us, a, send us a line if you really want to hear us cover something. We are very open to it, and we're very willing to uh, to do it. Um, and not only that, but uh, please keep in mind Patreon. Uh, we released the Patreon episode this week. It's VH1 Storytellers. Uh, Facebook sucks. I'm going to put it... I'm just going to throw this out there. Facebook sucks because I think Facebook noticed that we were posting stuff about patreon and it got rid of the visibility usually we have pretty good visibility on on certain posts at certain times and for something that should have had about like 200 or 300 people viewing it had 30. so i think facebook knew that we were doing something on patreon and they didn't want it to get any visibility so i say it again 
if you would like to listen to more bonus content, we have episodes uh, that we're planning to do monthly. Uh, we released one this week. It's BH1 Storytellers. Head on over uh, to Patreon, become a donor. And uh, we'll have some things lined up. Um, you can you can donate as little as a dollar. Uh, five dollars will get you a T-shirt. We'll send you a T-shirt for five dollars. Uh, and for any amount of money, you can come on the show and and just have a conversation with us about your favorite show, like Brad did today. It took about three hours for us to get there, but we sure as shit got there. Uh, uh, we do have a new patron donor this week, uh, Eddie Quintana. Thank you, uh, Eddie, for, for joining in. I know he's been um, uh, vocal in our Facebook uh, group, uh, you know, just uh, chatting away with us. So we uh, we thank you for, for joining on to Patreon. And for that, you get a Storytellers episode. And uh, get in touch with us because you get to be on our show whenever you want. Your favorite show. We'll do it. Uh and that goes for all you guys, too. If you guys uh, would love to to get more episodes, donate to our Patreon. We got good stuff going in the future. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. Anything to add? No, I enjoyed this one. I did, too. That was yeah. fun. It was, yeah. uh, it was like talking to a celebrity, like kind of like we said. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I said it on air or if I said it afterwards, but the first, I think I said it while we were saying goodbye to Brad after, uh, after we said goodbye to him on the show. But I said, I said the first like few minutes of that, it felt a little weird because I kind of, I knew the voice that I was talking to, but I'd never talked to him before. So I know certain quirks of the voice and certain things that, you know, that Brad does on his show. And I, I kind of have certain, I guess, expectations. And then like, it kind of threw me off a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh fuck. I'm, I'm talking to the person that I listened to that kind of gave me inspiration to, to do this show. So it was, it got used to it, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was funny at first, you know, and you have the same thing, right? Yeah. It's like, I know your voice. I I've listened to you, and now I'm talking to you. And right. You you kind of fanboy out for a few minutes there until you realize he's just a regular guy. Right. And he's just I, a cool. He's just a cool guy. And I mean, <laughs> like on his his end, he's been listening to us too. So, I mean, we're regular, and uh, I'm not very cool, but we're regular guys too. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, uh, the first time Pearl Jam podcasts have collided. You're welcome, everybody. We'll do it again sometime. Not, and, and yeah, not the not, last time. And not we'll the last. Have, yeah, we'll have someone else coming on from another podcast coming up soon. So very soon. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about next week. Sure. Next week's episode. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but next week is is St. Patrick's Day. Um. Not this coming Sunday. Uh, but, yeah, the fifteenth. So it'll be it'll be two yeah. days before. Yeah. Yeah. So to celebrate, I wanted to do an Ireland show because I know those Ireland shows are, are awesome and, and uh, it's definitely a part of uh, the world that Pearl Jam has a very, very passionate fan base in. And uh, 
after doing some extensive research, I found one that uh, I thought fit best, um, mainly because it is on YouTube and it's easy for us to uh, access, but we're going to be doing Belfast 2010. Uh, it's fun for a lot of different reasons. I felt like the band was really, uh, they were having fun that night. I think uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about is just the band having fun. Uh, and the band was doing stuff that, you know, they were just kind of just in a groove. They were having fun and, and it was just a good time. It They didn't, if they messed up a little thing, they kind of laughed it off. I think everybody was in a really good mood that night. Not only that, but, um, uh, there was a wedding that night at a Pearl Champ show. All right. Yeah. So we have that. And yes, I did reach out to the, to the groom. No, I have not heard from him. If anybody knows him and can reach out to him in a different way, uh, I didn't have an email for him. I had like his Pearl Jam uh, porch uh, handle that he hasn't been on. So uh, if anybody knows the groom from that night, I don't want to say his name, but and can reach out to him. We'd love to have him on the show next week. I hope he's still married. It's been nine years, so I, I hope so. <laughs> and it was awkward writing to him because I had to oh, be like boy, the I whole time, imagine. like if you and your wife are still together, and uh, be a jerk about it. But then I was like, oh, uh, you know, how could two lovebirds uh, happily mar- happily wed through Pearl Jam not be together anymore? And what if they're not? Then I sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> I really hope somebody listening actually knows them. And can, you know, either vouch uh, for their marriage and that they're still together with two kids and very happily married and listening to Pearl Jam or, uh, you know, or they can get in touch with them. I don't know. (laughs) I think we need to close this show out because I'm (laughs) I'm losing steam. I am losing so much fucking steam right now. So um, I miss you already. I miss you always. We'll see you next week. Bye.